thank you everybody for joining us uh, tonight or whatever time it is <laughs> when when you're listening to our recording this is the uh, mystery stage event tonight or today we have ace how are you doing ace doing well and we have black wine yeah hey of course uh, some of, of the listeners already know who you are but some won't so could you please introduce yourself what black wine yeah, I go by nick nickname Blackwine. Uh, this uh, is a handle I came up with uh, in demo scene uh, sometime in the 90s. And, uh, well, uh, the latter part comes from my surname, and the other part I don't know. Maybe I thought it was cool, or maybe <laughs> I wanted it uh, to be a, something unique. Uh, that's it. Awesome. And uh, of course, we'll be talking about your work. We'll, we'll get started with that in a minute. And how about you, Ace? So, for those who don't know, I got my start with, uh, well, mostly console modding, just getting into the basics as a teen. Uh, then from there, it just kind of steamrolled into just diverging everywhere with uh, analog audio in particular, with the Genesis. Uh, Put together the Mega Amp in 2014, updated in 2017, looking to get that updated again. And a couple of years in 2018, when Smoke Monster started to promote Mr., got wind of it, and I already was looking for an FPGA platform to develop on after having tinkered with a one-chip MSX around 2013. And Mr. just ended up being the platform I was looking for, and I've been developing for it ever since. Yeah, I can imagine how it attracted you. And uh, of course, we'll go uh, in a bit more detail into your, your backstories. And, uh, but we can get started on how you got into, into games in general, uh, Ace. Well, I got my start on the Nintendo 64, actually, in the late 90s. Uh, but at the time as well, I had... Um, my, well, my father still had his NES from 1985. So I ended up playing on that. Uh, had the Nintendo 64, got a GameCube in 2001 after having been literally floored by Star Wars Rogue Squadron 2, having played the demo. Yeah. That, that instantly sold me on the system. Then, oddly enough, I ended up getting a PlayStation 2 in 2004, I believe? Maybe 2005, I don't remember the exact year, but it was specifically due to Sega Rally 2006, which, much to my dismay, never actually left Japan. So... Bit of a waste of that, but it, it did kind of get me more into the console modding side. Then uh, it, it just spiraled from there. Ended up collecting, starting with Sega, then ended up expanding to more Nintendo hardware, Sega, uh, Sony, Microsoft, you name it. Yeah. So uh, this is this is great because uh, I believe that that profile of going back to older stuff is is quite interesting. Uh, I'll get to more questions on that in a minute. And what about you, Blackwine? How did you get started into gaming in general or hacking or coding? Uh, yeah, well, I was exposed to computers uh, and uh, arcade games as a youngster. Uh, I was, uh, I can't remember exactly uh, uh, the age uh, and what, what happened first, but... Um, uh, uh, you know, I, I remember that before getting hands on my first computer, I used to re read uh, magazines. 
from uh, first to last page. And I love the articles about games, comp uh, about computer graphics. And the thing that hooked me uh, the most was the page with uh, little basic programs. So I learned some basics uh, about programming from them. Uh, mm. And then uh, my father uh, bought an uh, 8-bit Atari computer. Mm -hmm. It was uh, 800XL model. It yeah. was uh, in 1987, as far as I remember. And uh, we had it connected to black and white TV uh, and no sound. Uh, because <laughs> uh, we, uh, we used uh, Sekam uh, where I live. And, um, but even with, without uh, sound and, and with black and white display it was like magic um, i can only imagine and uh i guess that you started programming there yeah yeah basic basic uh was the the thing you you got when you turned on your computer so so it was the you know just uh three seconds and you could start programming mm -hmm. unlike with modern computers <laughs> you know you, they have to boot uh, a bit a little bit longer and also, oh, yeah. you'd have to install the the SDK and and figure out the stuff elsewhere. Yes, mm -hmm. I don't know if you had it uh, from uh, as new, but these computers when you bought them, uh, I love the fact that they came with up with manuals that detailed everything. Yeah, sure. Did you use any particular storage medium, mediums, or or remember playing some games there, or or were you more into the coding side from them? Uh, yeah, I started with uh, cassettes. Uh, and uh, the two games I remember the most was Pole Position and Montezuma's Revenge. Uh, yeah, that, that, that was the, the, the finest game. Nice. And, and yeah. No, no, no. Not really. I, I was going to ask you what, what came from there? What happened then? Um, what well, followed? Uh, platforms, do you remember any? In yeah, particular yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Uh, so 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 uh, the, uh, the next platform I uh, got into was was an Amiga. Uh, I was visiting my friend, and uh, I remember I, I wanted to to buy a synthesizer back then to to play some music or some some mm -hmm. stuff like that. But when I heard uh, the sound of an Amiga, I, I changed my mind. And the only thing I wanted back then was was to get that computer. Uh, so so yes, that 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 was uh, I think the the most important uh, computer in, in in my history because uh, you know it was my uh, teen years and and I spent a lot of time with it and learned uh, you know M six eight K assembly and and uh, all these custom registers uh, the 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 whole design of this computer was something really. That stood out. Yeah, in particular in sound. Could you tell us about that a bit? What what is it about? Yeah. The, the what made yeah. it different? Yeah, well, yeah, most computers, uh, like all eight bit computers and and uh, the, the 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 early sixteen bit computers back then uh, used uh, made the cheap sound, and uh, with Amiga it was different because it it was PCM sound. Uh, with four channels, so basically you could uh, 
play anything he wanted. Uh, of course, it, it, it did, didn't have the fidelity. Uh, it was uh, eight-bit PCM, uh, mm-hmm. and and uh, you could play up to twenty-eight uh, kilohertz. Um, but but uh, nonetheless, back then it was something you know special. And you had the one one megabyte floppies, right? Well, sixty, seventy, seven, and twenty. It was. Uh, the, it, it was eight hundred eighty. It was oh, okay. It okay, was yeah. something. Uh, something uh, custom. So, yes, custom. But but with some tweaking, you could squeeze uh, out uh, one megabyte. Yeah, if you. Yeah, I, I kind of remember that. I, I remember listening to Bad Dance on an Amiga as a uh-huh. demo. Uh huh. <laughs> From the Batman movie, right? Right. And uh, Ace. Uh, how did you get it to because you started in the Nintendo 64 and of course you were exposed to the NES but how did you went retro in a way what what pushed you that way and and what was the the path that you took it was mainly two things the first one was I was starting to get dissatisfied with the games that were coming out from modern hardware at the time circa 2006 2007 onwards and at the time, I started to pick up a couple of older games on the virtual console. And that was when I really started to notice that uh, software emulation, mm-hmm. especially back then, was not really able to properly reproduce the experience, especially with the audio. Because the first thing I noticed was uh, playing Gradius. A lot of the sounds were pretty horribly aliased. And when I ended up with an original cartridge to use on the NES, that was when it became immediately apparent that something wasn't right. So it was at that point that I then started to pick up a, a bunch of older hardware, uh, hardware that I personally had never been exposed to, never played, even older than I am, uh, mostly thanks to a family friend who had a pawn shop. He might still have it now, I'm not really sure, but uh, back then I'd get a lot of uh, hardware on the cheap thanks to him. Mm, I, I can't imagine. And... Uh... You specialized in what can not specialized, but you've put a lot of attention on the Genesis hardware, right? Yes. Which is contemporaneous to, to the Amiga and a very different uh, beast in that sense. What, what dropped you that path? Same things or was something specific after that? No, I think it was more so because that was when I was really starting to get an interest into actually figuring out or learning how circuits are put together especially on the analog side because it was the crystal clear audio mod at the time which i thought back then was very complex and gave an end result that wasn't really to my liking on top of being specifically created for the ym3438 which was used in later hardware revisions except for two specific uh genesis model 2 boards so that was where the Mega Amp actually first began. It started out in 2012, targeting first the YM2612 only. Hmm. But then I ended up having a colleague on Sega 16 come in who suggested to expand the circuit to cover everything. So not just the YM2612, but even the integrated ones used with later Yamaha chipsets as well as the GOACs, the 315-5960 and 315-6123 found in the VA4 Genesis Model 2 and both revisions of the Genesis 3. 
Yeah, and uh, this is interesting. Maybe some of the audience are, are lost between all these uh, things. Uh, the Yamaha chips, instead of the PCM that uh, Black One described on the Amiga, or on, on top of, or, or on par with, use uh, frequency modulation as synthesis. And uh, Sega built this, well, Sega had Yamaha build this custom version of the, of the FM family chip. And they changed revisions during the story, the life of the console, probably due to costs. Most likely. And yeah, most likely. And they changed the, the, all the audio uh, hardware, right? All the analog stage of the hardware. Not just the, the analog side, but even the digital side. And I would say it's mostly due to potentially a manufacturing process mismatch because uh, the chips that yamaha made for later revisions were actually using cmos fabrication mm. but the ym2612 was actually not based off of that i think it was nmos but i could be wrong it, it's something completely different but there was already the ym3438 which was directly mm -hmm. uh, compatible being as it's a cmos chip but still able to run the or accept the same commands as a ym2612 the difference is the digital to analog conversion circuit in the chip is very different. So overall, uh, the YM2612, you could probably characterize its sound as being fairly dirty in a way because of the ladder effect, mm -hmm. which especially with fade-ins and fade-outs or just low-volume instruments in general, those typically tend to get blown out to, a, to where it almost sounds like a sort of reverb effect. And uh, several games do take advantage of this, but there are a couple, and the main one that I will cite is Afterburner 2, which the latter effect is critical to the game sounding right, because without that, the background notes are completely lost. And uh, could you briefly explain what the latter effect is to our audience that is not familiarized with, with that, and why uh, these chips have uh, an integrated digital-to-analog stage instead of having it separate? Well, the integration is mostly for, I'd say, cost-cutting, because mm -hmm. if you look at the YM2151, which is what most arcade boards back then were using, including Sega's own System 16 board, having those two separated would constitute for a more expensive uh, setup. So mm -hmm. putting it all together would make it simpler. The thing with the latter effect is, it was, as I mentioned, that in terms of what you hear coming out of the chip, you get this very different balancing, especially between audio channels of lower volume. So if you have something that's very quiet, it tends to get made louder overall. So it's almost like, I guess you could say, a very nonlinear volume scale from the mm. qui most quiet to the loudest instrument or, or volume levels, I should say. Yeah. So in general, uh, if games do take advantage of that, they tend to sound more, I guess you could qualify it as more dry on the YM2612, or YM3438, rather, because its digital-to-analog converter has been completely redone. It doesn't sound the same, or mostly the same, but anything that makes use of the latter effect will either be very subdued or completely lost. Hmm. Yes, and uh, you have to... Well, you have to select the family and based on the system, right? Pretty it's, much. Uh, yeah. It, it changed between eras. Yeah, except for that one period of the VA2 and VA2.3 Genesis Model 2, 
I guess to potentially strong arm Yamaha into reducing the cost of their chips, the main ICs, the custom parts, were manufactured instead by Toshiba for those two. And rather than have a YM3438 integrated in the, in the chip, an external YM2612 was used in its place. So you end up with this sort of weird, in a sense, almost like condensed Genesis Model 1, because some of the weird quirks that uh, affected that the Model 1s prior to the VA7 revision carry over to the, these two, although there is one specific chip which is most commonly found in the VA2.3 board, that being the uh, 315-5685, that one has some uh, video effects that don't work properly. So those ones are a bit more bugged than, uh, than a typical Genesis Model 1. And you also get some of the weirdness with uh, Hellfire and Earthworm Jim, where Hellfire sounds correct because there is a flag known as FMBusy, which can only be accessed from one address on the Genesis Model 1, except for VA7. It's the same case on these particular Model 2s. Now, the thing with Hellfire is it expects to, it actually expects this flag to only be accessible from that one address. And what happens is on every other revision, barring those two VA2, uh, those two Genesis Model 2s and model, most Model 1s, the music will actually run slower. Hmm. Whereas with Earthworm Jim, it's the opposite case where it actually attempts to read from one of those extra addresses to get the FM busy status. And on Model 2s, with the exception of those VA2, V2.3s, it'll sound correct, but on a Model 1, you will notice that the music hesitates a bit. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of information to, to take in, for which you've been studying for years. Well, I'm sure we'll get back to, to this, because there's the analog filters, there's the differences, oh, man, yeah. there's so much information here. But I'd like to contrast what we have right now on the Amiga side and, uh, and what Black, Black, Blackboy experimented here because there he had the Paula chip, right? Yes. And uh, back then, back in, in, in the 90s, when you were playing with a, with a real Amiga, did you start playing with synthesizers since this was your main attraction to the system? Uh, I, I didn't use synthesizers, but, uh, well, th th there is a software called uh, SoundTracker. Or mm. Pro Tracker, and uh, and uh, I was uh, into this, uh, so uh, it, it allowed you to sample uh, uh, to create your your own sounds with a sampler, and 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 uh, do you know whatever you would wish, uh, use any any instruments, uh, real ins uh, well. Something that sounded like like real instruments, but but uh, when you uh, listen it listen to it uh, these days, it may sound uh, you know aliased uh, and not mm -hmm. perfect. Uh, but but uh, back then it was you know something out of this world. <laughs> and yes, I was I was uh, into into Protracker scene. I produced uh, some modes. Um, um, not not too often these days, but but last year I I, I released uh, uh, one tune, so so I do do it even these days. 
Yeah, and you have a very different tools right now, right? Yeah, especially the quality of, of samples, uh, because these samplers from 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 the past uh, was really, you know, not 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 really uh, good quality. Yeah, but it so, gave them character in in some sense, right? As well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some u unique uh, unique sounds, yes. And uh, back then, you mentioned that you created the samples. Were you using just digital means to to synthesize them inside the Amiga, or were you recording from real life sources? Yeah, rather recording uh, or sampling uh, from 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 cassettes, A microphone. Uh, oh, from cassettes. Okay. From cassettes, uh, or sometimes uh, you know just ripping or borrowing from some some other other mods. Uh, yeah, you the, could the, rip from games mm -hmm. or demos, right? Yes, that's true. Uh, the, the, there was uh, ST01 uh, the, the, from uh, the, the disc from original Soundtracker uh, that contained some some samples uh, that everyone used. So, so yeah, that, that was also a source. Uh, yeah. And uh, now that you that you mentioned that, uh, back then were you releasing the the mods or? Uh, yeah, I released some mods. Uh, uh, some of them was uh, included in some executable releases and a, a demo uh, called Infliction, I think. And uh, the other one was included in some crack throw to the mm -hmm. Dino Blaster. Could could you tell them what what the, that means? Um, because maybe some in the in the audience, throw, right? Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that uh, was amazing. But probably many don't uh, well have didn't leave then because I I'd like to ask you more about that. But please explain that to them. Yeah, yeah. So so. Uh, back back uh, in a day, uh, with with um, um, on Amiga, uh, all games are, are, were released on floppies and contained some protection, and uh, and uh, th th there were uh, cracking groups uh, who who cracked this protection and released uh, you know unprotected versions. Uh, on maybe included some trainer with it, and uh, and uh, th th this this was some uh, you know uh, tiny executables uh, with music, possibly a group logo, crawl text, uh, and and uh, yeah, it, it, it was it was it I think. Uh, it was a very different world, right? Because you, you mentioned trainers right now, and I bet some in the audience don't know what trainers are either. Mm, yes, yes. No, they, they, they allow you to, to you know, uh, enable some, some cheats in games like uh, in, Invisibility or, uh, you know, unlimited uh, something, unlimited lives, maybe. Uh, and, and uh, but what what was amazing about this is that you booted the floppy and you got a music playing that was usually awesome and some uh, raster effect or or fonts that were impressive and in, in, in the use of colors 
and it's, it showed the name of the group that did the tracker or the crack, and yes. then you'd boot into the game, right? Yes, that's right. And so, so uh, yeah, please, please go on. Um, not really. I, I just wanted to say that, that, that this movement uh, uh, evolved later to, 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 to something uh, that is now a demo scene, but mm -hmm. uh, the, this, this is uh, another topic, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it because it's really interesting. Okay. After all, this is, uh, this is the meat of, of talking with you guys, uh, talking about these experiences and sharing what maybe some of the people that are using the, the mister or playing them whatever way, even in, in regional hardware or, or running this, they can understand what these mean and what they are and what's the context, what, what was culturally happening. How did you swap this or how did you get access to, to these uh, floppies with these uh, demos or trainers or... Of course, uh, people today imagine that they just go into IRC, right, or, or whatever. But what was the method back then? Yeah. Um, it, it, it was easy for for us uh, where I'm living because uh, we had uh, actually no copyright laws until '94, I think. So, so there were a lot of uh, little shops uh, here. Uh, just they just uh, you know copy copied. Uh, anything for you for some you know not 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 a great sum so so it uh, it just looked like this and and uh, yeah and it's well i don't know but uh back then did you could just buy floppies about anywhere right yeah and that was so, also mm -hmm. quite different hmm? yes that's right and the quality in the floppies was very different from what we got like 10 years later, yeah. right? They, they usually lasted longer, were built in a better way back in the early 90s or, or 80s. Yeah, that's true. And uh, did you get any experience with the FM capabilities of the Amiga? Because you could kind of do some uh, tremolo, tremolo or vibrato, right? With modulating one PCM wave with the other? Mm -hmm. Well, FM sound, you, you, you can do FM sound uh, or something like, like uh, that sounds like a chip tune mm -hmm. uh, by doing short sound samples and doing some uh, uh, effects like uh, said vibrato or arpeggio uh, where you switch notes very fast, like uh, every frame uh to 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 make some some chords or or something like that yeah hmm. and uh speaking about all this uh ace have you ever gotten into amiga in any way not really i mean i do have an amiga 500 but i don't really use it much mostly due to a lack of the uh, appropriate video cables hmm but at the same time, and this is probably going to make some people, I guess, hate me, because I've never been too fond of the Amiga's sound, personally. It's its, its own thing, and as, as Black One was saying, it was very different when we were back in the day. I didn't own an Amiga, but my cousin had an Amiga, and I owned the Genesis, so you can imagine that rivalry back then. Yeah, my thing though with the Amiga, the thing that I, I really don't like is the f the way that the stereo panning is done, being that you have only four channels, but they each get hard panned to one side, so mm -hmm. 
it really limits what you can do. And to me, it's a sound that's really not pleasing. Mostly. Yeah, especially when you use headphones. It, 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 oh, it's especially sad. with headphones. Mm. Yeah, on speakers it's quite different because you get this mix-up between channels due to the position. And and, uh, and it's something that most people don't understand about the difference using headphones and you have some crossover between the left signal and the right signal when you use speakers. And that's why it feels more natural, right? Yeah, well, I mean, you do get that sort of... It's almost like you, you get a center mix between the, the stereo channels, but you do still hear where they're coming from. So if you have something mm -hmm. that's louder on the right side, you'll hear it from there, but it will still get mixed in somewhat with what you have on the left side. But mm -hmm. if you're wearing headphones, you lose that because the sound is going straight to your ears. Yeah. There's some headphone amplifiers that can do crossover for you in the analog domain, right? Uh, that I'm not sure of. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen them. It's pleasant. It's a... Of course, I've not measured them, but it's pleasant. Mm -hmm. And um, have you ever gone into the low-pass filters and that kind of thing on the Amiga Blackmine? And how well, it's filtered? Well, yeah, well um, the, f the filter on Amiga is, is really simple. You can just turn it on and off. Mm -hmm. uh, you can uh, see, see the, the, the LED, the power LED. Mm -hmm. uh, is is connected to it uh, when it's bright. The filter is on. Uh, I remember the doing doing some uh, uh, assembly code to 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 you know to fade from uh, from from uh, the fade the, the the filter by uh, doing some fast switching the the PWM <laughs> method with it. Uh, so you, you certainly can do it, but it uses a lot of CPU, so it's not uh, really suitable for demo, demos or games. But mm -hmm. you can do it for a uh, for a for a trainer or for that would be amazing, right? It would yeah, work fine. Yeah, yeah. When you have the CPU free, and and what kind of Amiga did you have back then? Yeah, the, the first Amiga was Amiga um, five hundred. It was ninety one, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, then a few years later, I got my Amiga 1200, which I own to this day. And yeah, it's it's uh, it's convenient because it's got uh, the, the the hard drive, and uh, you can use compact flash medium these days. Mm -hmm. uh, so 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 it's really you know uh, quiet and 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 fast. Uh, and you can have all the games uh, and software on it. Um, yeah, it, it it felt like the future, right? Back back yeah. in the time, it's something that I usually mention that what we regard as limitations nowadays were not; they were freedoms back in the day because you didn't have that capability before. And it opened so many doors, right? It, it felt different, and I believe that the that the floppy disk storage medium helped a lot in the Amiga because you had so much space and it was cheap. And uh, then you moved on to, well, not moved on, but you've also worked on, on Game Boy. What was your your first contact with the Game Boy? Oh, well, uh, I, I didn't... Uh, I, of course, I... I uh, 
did play some games uh, from from uh, friends had Game Boy in nineties, mm-hmm. but but I didn't I didn't own one back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've got my first Game Boy in two, uh, two, 20, uh, 18, I think two thousand eighteen, mm-hmm. and uh, I wanted to 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 do something uh, different from from. Uh, compared to to things I did in the past, and I wanted to learn Z80, mm-hmm. um, and uh, also the reason was uh, that that uh, the friends in the demo scene group uh, had had some tunes and and some graphics to 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 to, to share with it. So so uh, we made uh, a. Music disc or music cartridge, not physical cartridge, but but you know the the ROM. A release, we, uh-huh. yeah, and uh, it, it contained some some nice nice tunes, uh, and yeah, it it was uh, you know my my f- first eight uh, bit demo actually. Uh, nice. And have you gone into uh, Game Boy Audio in some way, Ace? Uh only a little bit uh 2013 or so just just quickly listening like that but nothing really in depth hmm. yeah it's it's a interesting system it has a lot of variations as well so it's it's uh it's its own whole it's just speaking about how each game boy model and iteration since they had backwards compatibility how each one changed the sound hmm. there's so much to dig in there but um, and and what what happened next in in your path is how how did you move on then from what we left? Well, from uh, from the Genesis stuff, it then proceeded to well, it was also at the same time that uh, I was getting the Mega Amp done that uh, I was considering getting myself a one chip MSX, but already back in 2013, the prices were just way mm-hmm. outside of what I wanted to, to pay for one. So yeah. I saw that it was ported to the uh, Terrasic D0 dev board with a Cyclone 3. So I ended up purchasing one and getting that up and running. And I was actually starting to tinker a bit with that to mostly try to have simultaneous outputs. So add in an extra R2R ladder in order to generate a composite signal while still having RGB coming out the VGA plug. And then also wired up a cartridge slot so I could run actual MSX cartridges on the on the uh, this one-chip MSX port mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I was never really satisfied with the implementations of the Konami SCC sound chip. Because hmm. there seems to be an oddity with it where if you keep repeating the same note over and over again, Every time it's repeated, it will change. It will the yeah. overall sound signature changes. It's like it gets more gritty, then gets smoother, and keeps going back and forth like that. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. And you will especially, yeah, you will especially hear this uh, in Metal Gear Two Solid Snake. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was that which then led me on to Mister because, well. At the time, I was actually doing university studies where some of my courses were actually using FPGAs in VHDL, which I know that several devs don't particularly like 
on Mister. But I did start with that, and in 2018, when Smoke Monster started to show this off, that's when I thought, okay, I might actually have something here. So, prior to that, I ended up getting a couple of uh, bootleg Arkanoid boards, and I figured, okay, this looks like it might be a good start, being as it's mostly discrete logic, not much in the way of custom hardware. The only real custom chip was a uh, Fujitsu shift register, which was really just basically two shift registers with muxes multiplexers for each output so that it's either going to output a left shift or a right shift but it turned out to be not quite what i expected mostly because this was my first big fpga project a full system and i took things very literally at the time so going as far as to look up the data sheets for every single logic i see Modeling the chips, retracing the board, because Taito's schematics were not only incomplete, but also erroneous. And I was Typical, right? (laughs) Say that again? Typical, right? Well, at least for Taito, it seems to be... It seems to have been a thing with uh, their schematics in particular, because I was looking at that, tracing the board, and hardly anything lined up. But the main complexity with Arkanoid for me at the time was... It used some of this discrete logic in very weird ways, mostly to try to get 16 bits of VRAM down to the 8-bit bus of the Z80. So it was essentially almost gating, I guess in a way, uh, one of the RAM chips, one of the RAM banks. So I had to have Electron Ash give me a hand on on that because uh, until that was going, I couldn't get the game to even start. So once he got that going, then it started to get a bit better, but uh, there's still the limitation of the Motorola MC68705 microcontroller. To this day, I have not found a good open-source implementation of the underlying HC05 CPU core. So right now it's using a workaround with patched bootleg ROMs in order to... uh, Mm -hmm get around the this issue because this is yeah please yeah, please let them know why why it, that is the case yeah well it's because the microcontroller it, it serves two things one is to actually read the spinner inputs and the other one is actually for protection purposes but being as there is a dump that exists not just for that but also tournament arkanoid the issue is that because there is no good implementation out there now i'd have to pretty much make my own from scratch Right now, I'm not really at that level yet, so uh, that was the workaround done in order to get the game out. And for the most part, it works. The only issue I can see right now is that the lowest difficulty setting is currently too easy, because the enemy spawns are not quite correct. And I'm assuming this probably due to the lack of the MC68705's internal timer. Hmm. So I'm hoping someday to be able to get back to Arkanoid and uh, fix that up. But in general, that's how that implementation was. It's still like that to this day. I would like to rebuild it. But even if I do rebuild it, I am going to archive the old code, mostly because of Taito's incomplete and bogus schematics, in a sense. Uh, so that way, if someone wants to, say, make new schematics, they can, they can look through the code and make something off of that. But the uh, thing is, would it... Is it published somewhere that the schematics are wrong and that's the reference? I don't think there is actual 
publications for that. The only thing I can say for sure is that while retracing the board, the signals didn't match. And also mm -hmm. many signals are completely missing. Some ICs aren't even shown in so, the schematics. To anybody in the audience that wants to retrace the schematics, there's something that can be done for to preserve Arcanet in a better way. I mean, the, document, the, the code is a documentation, but what I mean, uh, or what probably would help the, the general community, is to have people know that the code is correct regarding the PCB and the schematics are wrong, right? That yeah. That's the kind of information that needs to be put out there. Yeah, we have that information out as well as corrected schematics to mm -hmm. fix up whatever Taito deliberately, or at least I would assume deliberately omitted, or otherwise just... Obfuscated. Yeah, obfuscated or put the wrong signal names. Hmm, interesting. You've also been uh, quite active in Arcade, and I believe that we'll have uh, a lot to talk about this uh, black wine and uh, arcade is quite different from consoles and even from home computers like the amiga because most not all but most are unique implementations that play only one game right or or a family that evolved and each iteration just played a game and was not fully uh taken uh a complete uh, all of its power shown right it's a kind of a one shot and it, they were sold and they're unique computers. I love them because they are like these small music boxes that are uh, unique pieces that you can just plug them and yours, uh, they are embedded systems. That's what I mean. You, you get their own world in a, in a proper computer that has its own input, CPU, RAM, video. And uh, what, what, what's your experience in arcade and what got you going into arcade, Black One? Well, uh, uh, well, it's of course started uh, as a player. I used to go to arcades and and uh, you know play uh, mostly mostly shmups. It was something mm. that that uh, you know attracted me. Any kind or or titles that you remember from there? Yeah, sure. The Raiden was one of the mm. first, I think. Um, Seibu Kaihatsu. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, of course, the the the, the cave schmaps, uh, mm. the 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 late later the later contenders the, the, was, were, were cave schmaps, and and the you know bullet house and something awesome. like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, you had access to to games like Raiden back in the day then. And, yeah, uh, in the arcades, uh, you know. Yeah. Were there any difference from the arcades shown in the American movies, or or were they quite similar? Well, I can't remember them from the movies really. Uh, the titles okay. that, that were shown. No, there. no, I meant the the places, the the venues. Uh -huh. Oh, uh, I think uh, the, the 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 ones in in the movies were surely bigger. The 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 one <laughs> I visited was you know some 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 stinky small shop. Uh, yeah, outside. same here. <laughs> Yeah, but but uh, that didn't matter. The, the the you know the the game was the, the something that that hooked you up to this. So so yeah, uh, and and we we just were watching uh, mostly, not playing. So that there were some you know skilled players, uh, and and uh, you know it. I was I was too young to to have some you know uh, good money to 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 you know spare, so yeah it looked like this and 
yeah and uh, where when i got my first uh, real arcade it was i think 2015 or 2016 uh, in 90s i, I, I was i was uh, into emulation uh, especially uh, neo geo that, that was something that that you know uh, stood out back then and metal slug series it look you know all the sprites colors and and that pixel art yes yes and and th- th- that was a step up from from amiga for sure uh so so i play played it a lot and and in 2015 i i bought my first uh first neo geo board mm. uh, which model was it the first one mv1 I think MV1A, I, I think it's is the full name mm-hmm. of it. The the big one, quite a yeah. big one. I like those. Yeah, uh, it, it. I had to fix it because it was uh, that th- there was some calendar error or something like that. But but uh, it didn't took me too long. Um, Good. And and uh, now I have I think, I, I think three. Of, mm-hmm. of Neo Geo boards, quite a lot of cards. Not not mm-hmm. all because uh, you know the the, the they're yeah so the market expensive. went crazy yeah yeah but yeah the, 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 that's the the arcade system I I played the most and I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, of course, of course, uh, there are other systems like you know uh, CPS two is is really something remarkable. Mm-hmm. It First encou- encountered uh, on, on uh, emulated on PSP, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got my PSP in 2008, maybe, and I think that the, there there were uh, f- first emulators of this system back then. And uh, Progri- no, no Arashi, the, the was was the thing I I I, I love to play. And um, now I have uh, also PGM, but not not, not mm. really not, not not really much interesting. Uh, interesting games on the on the PGM, but it's you have uh, uh, if you like beat 'em ups, try playing the the Gladiator. It's a four player beat 'em up, and also the Knights of Baylor ones. Mm-hmm. And the shoot 'em ups, well, you get Dot Patchy too, which is a curious yeah. little thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, cave maps are there. Uh, I, I am, I am on the list for 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 the for the PCBs on arcade. Mm-hmm, the cards, right? Yeah, yeah. To to to, to you know ro- roll my own cartridges. Uh, Just but... as a as a note for the public, there. Uh, these games were uh, all in one PCBs: Katsui, uh, Dodonpachi, uh, Daioyo, and uh, Escaruda. And uh, they are releasing uh, open source, right? Uh, hardware PCBs f- to to build your own uh, mm-hmm. custom cards. Yeah. On uh, on that note, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but uh, we got some questions that uh, I'd like to address. Since they are asking if PGM or CPS three would be viable on the on the mystery, what you you guys think? Yeah, I think they. I think those would probably be viable platforms. I'm not. I can't say that I would personally work on those, but I think uh, I think Mister has enough capabilities to be able to handle both. Yeah, CPS3 curiously has an FPGA for video as well. 
Uh, I think it uses the same CPU as the Saturn as well. Yeah, it's an SH2. Yeah. And PGM uses uh, 68,000, but but the cards have an ARM CPU as far as I know. Mm-hmm. And they use their own uh, audio hardware that is also wavetable, similar to the SEC and, and Amiga that was mentioned before with very different cap- capabilities. So it, it's, I think it's in the realm of the possible. What do you think, Blackwine? Uh, th- those cars, well, if 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 we can have uh, Saturn, uh, mm-hmm. we can have STV, but. Uh, I don't know. I don't know much about uh, PGM internals, mm-hmm. so so I can't elaborate on that too much. And yeah, they are think, yeah, but 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 yeah, yeah the the CPUs uh, are not not you know uh, so so um, you know it's M M six eight K so so mo- mo- most stuff I think. It's the, the usual, right? You have the yeah. customs to blame because the PGM has a bunch of them. Yeah. And uh, they do all the video and audio mixing and uh, processing in general. Mm-hmm. And uh, the cards have this ARM CPU for protection, which I don't know to which extent they're used. I, I understand that they are used also to, like an MCU, to protect yeah. and, and do some uh, enemy routines and AI and, and input validation. Yeah, and switch regions, I think. Mm-hmm. That's also true, and they also have their own BIOS inside the cart, right? Yes, they have shared RAM. I, I think, oh yeah, with with M six eight K CPU. Uh, well, Mister has also uh, you know ARM seven CPU mm-hmm. on board, so maybe it can be used uh, for these tasks as well. Yeah, that would be interesting. And for those that don't know what PGM is, it's uh, an arcade platform, very similar to Neo Geo, but that was uh, released uh, on the later years of the Neo Geo. It was much, uh, it, it is much newer. It was, I believe it was 90s, uh, end of 90s or the start of the 2000s that it was released. It's it's a red PCB. It's, it's really, it's really cute. I, I love it. And it has a bunch of interesting games. Yeah, especially shmups. Although yeah. you know, it's it's uh, also not so great uh, design when you uh, compare it to Neo Geo, uh, mm-hmm. especially uh, when you look at cartridges. Because, uh, for example, uh, the, the the Neo Geo uh, uh, card uh, has uh, two PCBs, and and uh, you know the the ground is on the sides and. Uh, the 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 current flows uh, mm-hmm. in uh, in the you know middle of the board. So when you uh, you know insert it uh, upside down, you you won't you won't do anything to to to, to you know near your uh, main board. But mm-hmm. with, not so with PGM. So there are some <laughs> you know uh, some little. Things like this uh, with PGM that they are not so well thought as 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 on Neo Geo, but you know the hardware is really interesting. The the the, the what they were able to achieve with games uh, on this platform. And uh, have you seen any of these uh, systems, Ace? Personally, no. Hmm. They're they're also asking uh, if uh, there is something that people that want to or know uh, hardware languages can quickly learn to help contribute 
Things that make a lot of man hours but aren't necessarily skilled work? Well, if you have a software background, the number one suggestion I'd say is to look up for some examples of small Verilog uh, tutorials that you can uh, quickly put together and have run on the hardware that directly, because the syntax is actually fairly close to what you'd see in C, C++. Uh, the main thing, though, is to kind of switch the mindset over from... Because m code is usually sequential, unless you're doing any sort of heavy multi-threading. But in general, code is usually uh, done line by line. But in hardware terms, if you were to have, say, a, a block of code, all that would be executed at the same time. So s say you were trying to latch a signal or a series of signals, you'd have all of them going in at the same time if all those signals are defined as being latched within that block. Yeah, and uh, he also probably means something like tracing or work that could be done like uh, man hours uh, as well. He, he mentioned about uh, tracing PCBs or that kind of work if they could help. Yeah, the main thing with uh, tracing boards is you need a lot of patience because Several of these boards will actually have traces that run under ICs. You'll see the vias that start underneath a chip. And sometimes in order to relocate that, unless you desolder everything and just have a bare board, it's going to be quite tedious and time-consuming to be able to trace everything out. But the main thing to have if you want to trace something is a multimeter that is able to do continuity testing. For those uh, listening and don't know what that is, continuity testing is when you uh, place a beeper that sounds whenever there's contact between the two tips. And what you do is place one tip in, in the suspicious trace and search for the other place. You brush it and somewhere carefully and find out where it leads to. Obviously, it would be better to have visual confirmation first or a visual suspicion and then confirm wherever it goes. I'm yeah, but the, something there. But yeah. the process itself, uh, you, you really have to commit a lot of time to it. I mean, just retracing Arkanoid, I don't even remember how long it took, but it was very long. And especially when I started to get into some of the more advanced Konami hardware, trying to get the the trying to figure out what the bootlegs did in particular <laughs> next to the originals. Oh, let me tell you, those boards are, have some of the most disorganized trace layouts I've ever come across. The bootlegs, they, you mean? Yeah, they run so many traces under ICs, left, right, and center. And the thing, too, is that the actual PCB layout for all the different subsections is scattered everywhere. There is no rhyme or reason to where anything is placed. Mm-hmm. And have you had any experience? I bet you have uh, uh, with this. Uh... Blackwine? Um, with retracing, no, no, uh, really. Well, for your repairs, I bet you have, right? Not specifically to recreate uh, the schematic, but yeah, but uh, not, not, it was. It, I didn't didn't get into this level to 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 uh, you know tr tr trace or draw schematics out of it or or mm -hmm. convert it to to FPGA code yet, at least. And um, uh, what's, uh, what draw you into may going back into some of these platforms? Because you've worked, uh, Blackwine, in Burger Time, for example, Draga, Donkey Kong. What, what can you tell us about those platforms and uh, the difference and what drove yeah. you into those? 
Okay, uh, so so I must say I I didn't release full cars of uh, mm -hmm. of it. Uh, I, I was in need to to enhance these cars and uh, add uh, add you know the flip screen to to it. Uh, the the reason was simple because I mostly use CRTs mm -hmm. and uh, the, the, these are. Uh, these are vertical games or Tate uh, uh, mode games. So, uh, and the the early uh, eight bit games uh, that there was that there was no, no standard. Uh, should they be rotated, uh, you know, ninety degrees to to the left or counterclockwise or clockwise? Uh, so so. Uh, and 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 with my uh, CRT, I can really uh, only rotate it counterclockwise because of strange, uh, you know, magnetic artifacts okay. on screen when when I when I turn it the other way. <laughs> so so I was just in need to 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 you know do do the flip screen to to just uh, you know the <laughs> get it to play on on, on my. On my setup, uh, so I took uh, you know this open source course and and extended it uh, um, with with most of 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 this course. It was just it. Uh, I did uh, a bit more with uh, Galaga to 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 you know uh, to do some filters. Uh, because it 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 sounded really bad. I I, I am sure it's not perfect. Uh, yeah, the version that is uh, in the in the official repo, but uh, but I think you know I, I I can work a bit on it uh, more and and get it perfect. Of course, uh, with um, you know we. Uh, the best would be to have this hardware uh, and 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 record uh, the the, uh, the you know the sound from from it and and reimplement both uh, it in FPGA. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it's not always the case. Uh, so so we we have to rely on schematics and and. and Sometimes people provide it, but uh, but it's 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 hard to get, you know. Yeah, it's become edits. very expensive, right? Yes. Now that you mentioned uh, video hardware, uh, I'm sure you both have some opinions on how things are done in general uh, when arcade PCVs, schematics, emulation, and Mister regarding the video hardware part of arcade PCVs. What do you have to say on that? Well. Uh... It's it's uh, you know it's, with with discrete uh, hard hardware it's 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 quite uh, simple but with with the, all those custom chips uh, it, it's you know it, if you can uh, decap uh, the 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 chip you, if you can do a you know photo under a microscope and and recreate. Uh, um, on the gate level, uh, every every operation that happens, 
So uh, it, it, then you 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 can have 100% accuracy, but but it's all also it, this is really you know time consuming to 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 get this stuff, uh, and and uh, only a few people do it, I think. Uh, so so yeah, it's it will take time some time to to get these chips really you know 100 percent uh, replicated in the fpga yeah if your objective is to actually reproduce the exact method by which uh say a, a custom chip act goes to access vram in order to grab any parameters to do with tile maps or sprites uh, oftentimes you'll have a single large bank of ram which contains everything in one and the inner logic of the custom IC will then uh, multiplex all the addressing that will go into the chip and all the data inputs as well. Uh, well, data I.O. So there is that, but there's also, you can sometimes, uh, or actually you, you could for, for the most part, simplify that by having the RAM banks already split. I mean, you, you do bypass that particular part of the logic, but if your objective is really just to get the game itself going, targeting specifically the FPGA without wanting to actually recreate the custom chip, that would be one way to do it. It would save some time that way, because then you don't have to figure out the logic that is actually used in order to grab the required data at the exact moment and time that it's supposed to be uh, grabbed out of VRAM to address ROM, let's say, that's how Konami typically does it, that you have everything in RAM, and the data that comes back from that is then used to address ROM, which is then put through the rest of the video logic to then be output as pixel data for either a set of PROMs or color RAM. And, uh, of course, there are several questions around that. Uh, uh, Blackwine already mentioned that he... Uh, made those uh, modifications to the hardware to to flip right that's yep. that's something that's not uh that was not the original functionality and it's something that's added for convenience and it goes in in this same direction of uh modifying the the original way that it worked to have uh, a more convenient implementation what are your thoughts on that and preferences and and what do you think because some people uh believe that everything is already uh, known about these platforms, right? They are so old and we have so much technology. What, what are your thoughts on this? I know I'm throwing a big topic at, at you guys, but what do you think? Oh, no, that's fine. But uh, in general, I think that there are still hidden secrets, especially with hardware whose custom chips were not really fully documented. You might sometimes end up with situations where you, you, you think you know the logic inside and out but then when you go to actually try to implement it you end up hitting e either hitting a wall or you end up finding something that doesn't line up at all and you have to go and figure out from there what it is you're missing but at the same time adding functionality i don't think is necessarily a bad idea although for my particular case my main thing is really to recreate the experience of using the pcb as it was so having the entire feature set exactly as it was, uh, barring high score saving because, well, that seems to be a pretty big thing. And uh, at least on some original boards, you can fairly easily add some kits in order to add that functionality to them. 
but for some other things like flip screen logic, some boards actually have that already. It's the and same. Well, not accessible, right? No, it, it depends on the hardware. Some of them will have it either specifically for flipping the screen for when mm. they're using a cocktail cabinet. Others will have it already in the hardware, toggleable via a dip switch. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them, though, especially in the case of if you have only a cocktail flip mode, that would require actually exploiting the functionality in order to allow a flip screen outside of the standard flipping the screen for a two-player cocktail setup. Mm -hmm. And uh, what, what do you think, Blackwine? Uh, what's, what's your preference or what thoughts do you have on this? Uh, well, uh, of course, most important thing is is to to get this you know designs right and and one hundred percent accurate. But mm -hmm. uh, but the, I think you know that 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 for example for me that that uh, flip screen functionality mm -hmm. uh, solves some problem, uh, some real and for a lot of people, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like high score saving or pulse feature, for example, that the, the, I think there are three three the most important fun functional quality of life. Yeah, that help us um, with, with with this stuff. So, so of course, uh, it's uh, it's important to get 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 the design right. Uh, it would be perfect if, if you know, this additional functionalities could be implemented the way that that that, that are transparent uh, to the general design. I, this is not always the case, but but you know, we, we can improve upon. Yes, of course, it's a sanitarative process, right? Yeah, you, that's right. You you strive for something, but you have to work with what you have and what you can at the moment. Yeah, and and it's great with Mister that 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 it's an um, open source project, and you can you know start with what has been already done, but but you know extend it or or improve on or make it more accurate. Yes, and we we talked about video. I, I it's something that has always interested me because I've repaired a few PCBs, and repairing the video section of a PCB is interesting to say the least especially when uh, usually the schematics don't have it documented right it's it's kind of a part that's left out uh, specifically in konami words uh, but somebody is asking us in the in the chat about what does it mean when a game has analog sound and can that be implemented on an fpga from what i understand looking at schematics of some of those games it looks to me like it's all done with uh, discrete components, so Logic ICs, uh, any 555 style timers, those sorts of things, along with uh, RC filters everywhere. Uh, Galaxian is one example that comes to mind, Donkey Kong as well. Uh, I haven't personally looked into implementing those direct on the FPGA, but I think it might be possible to get a fairly decent approximation, provided, especially with... Um, circuits that are based off timers uh, actually measuring how those timers function uh, at the very least um, simulating in I guess you could say a, a spice type software uh, how the circuit would work uh, if it was to just function standalone and be able to model that then on the FPGA then with RC filters you could uh, 
do do what I do, which is to take the audio filter from the Genesis core that um, Sultan worked on uh, and adjust that to all the different cutoff frequencies. It works best for low-pass filtering. Uh, I had trouble with high-pass filtering, which uh, I had to use for Jackal, but I had to use a bit of a hacky way to do it. So for, for that, it's still a bit up in the air for high-pass filtering. But for low-pass filtering, Sultan's filters are good for that. I'm also seeing a question from... Uh, let me see, who was it that uh, said that? Oh, regarding the bubble memory on the Konami systems? No, it was something before that. Lemonichi had said, is mm -hmm. there a general, generalizable benefit mm -hmm. to replicating processes exactly versus the simplifications? Yes. The main thing is being able to create replacements for the original custom ICs. Mm -hmm. If you're able to get the entire process down, get the signaling exact, you could then pull the code out, maybe tweak it a bit for things like bidirectional buses, because on an FPGA, you generally have your data input and data output as separate signals. But on the original ICs, you'll have both selectable on the same set of pins. So you'd have to add that in as, as uh, logic to, to, to deal with that. Then you could put it on a smaller FPGA, just a standalone little board that you could then plug in place of the original chip. And you'd like to do that because they get damaged and there's no way to substitute them unless you take it off from another damaged PCB. Yeah, and a good number of them, especially on the Konami side, are not reliable at all. Yeah, and probably they'd like to know, just as a small detour, why do they fail? Do you want to go into that? What's, what's, what happens with electronics and how they failed from what in I this can, particular case? Mm -hmm. From what I can tell, at least with those that are manufactured by Fujitsu, and this is a problem as well with our logic ICs, it's the interconnections between the pins and the die which uh, separate over time. Mm -hmm. And also by small uh, uh, mechanical uh, vibrations and, and drops and that kind of thing. Potentially, right? yes. Yeah. That, uh, that affects electronics, any electronics. Yeah. So and two, yeah, there are two other questions. I'm going to touch on the bubble memory question because mm -hmm. th this, this is a big one. Uh, <laughs> that is, it's like a ROM. It's non-volatile storage. So whatever data you write to it will stay. But the thing is, it's actually magnetic storage. It's not electrical the way a ROM is. It's, you could think of it a bit like a tape in that it, it, it's not only magnetic storage, but it's also, you got little segments call, uh, that are referred to as bubbles, which get uh, directed to uh, wh wherever the data is getting read from. Uh, the thing with that is it proved to be very unreliable because especially in arcades, bubble Konami bubble system boards were highly prone to failure to the point where Konami themselves actually had replaced full replacement CPU boards and converted those games to use ROMs instead. That's what MAME emulates for the most part, but bubble system emulation has started to come up in, in MAME. The thing is, the microcontroller that's used to actually interface the bubble memory to the entire CPU area hasn't been recreated. So the whole functionality right now is still not exactly known. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's what we kind of were getting at. There's a lot of information that's not available yet. And having a project like Mister helps for this information to be useful beyond PCB owners to make repairs. It's useful everywhere. It's useful for PCB yeah. owners. It's useful for 
even in a sense you could in theory uh create a design where you have sockets that you can put the original roms from a dead board for instance and have those interface to the fpga while the fpga itself has all the logic that will then give you the game mm-hmm. that would be one way to do it uh one more question regarding clone boards as a good substitute for reverse engineering that for the most part the answer is no because a lot of these are not cloned properly and i can cite jackal and iron horse specifically <laughs> because okay first of all those two games gave me all sorts of problems especially with the sprite logic but the main thing jackal was first that one took so many shortcuts to the point where it only recreates one of the Konami 005885 custom chips and shoves the data for both into that one set, uh, into that one clone. But the end result is flawed because the video timings are wrong. The actual main clock is too slow. So everything just doesn't operate properly. The CPUs are underclocked. The video timings are too fast. That's one thing. Second thing is blanking the actual horizontal blank which is the, the black blanking you could consider that as the black border around the active area it um the thing with jackal in this case is that the clone boards actually and part of the visible area is actually masked because blanking starts too early but the other the main issue here is um sprites tend to on uh, there are two lines on the complete right side either to the left or to the right when it when the screen is shown normally it's are missing two lines on on one side uh the sprites themselves are missing their very last line and when you flip the screen problems get even worse because you still have those drawing errors but at the same time the sprite layer is offset by one line so you end up having uh some graphics that are generated on both tile map and um sprite layers they will be slightly separated the other issue with iron horse specifically again you have the blanking issues but the thing with this one is that the sprite limit is not correct and it has a tendency to exhibit sprite flickering which is something the original board doesn't have but the main thing here is um the 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 other thing with iron horse is um, nation I can come up with in order to, uh, uh, or regarding rather the timing of the actual drawing of sprites to the screen, because if you look at the README for Jackal and Iron Horse, the games currently render sprites one frame ahead of time, and the only way I can see to actually delay that is to use a frame buffer, which for Jackal right now, like I'm not really experienced with frame buffers, so. I don't really have any idea what to do about that. So, um, for right, right now, the cores will remain as they are until I get some more information. Uh, but that, that, the thing with the clone boards is that they actually do recreate this properly. It's just, for whatever reason, maybe due to a timing error, sprites for Iron Horse are not properly read out of VRAM and uh, grabbed from ROM to then be put into the, the sprite buffer. Jackal seems to get this right, but the fact that it's not drawn fully leads me to believe that somewhere there is either something that ends at the wrong time or for whatever reason only grabs a partial amount of data. 
Let's see. Um, yeah, arcade is uh, is uh, quite a bit like that, and uh, it's usually hard to to work with it because even if you have the PCB, as, as Ace mentioned, you have to dismantle it to trace it properly, right? For the most part, especially when you end up with some of these clone boards, they are practically the size of two boards combined into one. They are massive in comparison to the originals. Mm-hmm. Because and all to, customs are, are just gutted, right? Well, yeah, it's essentially you're, you're blowing up the, the custom chips. You're taking whatever is in, inside a small ceramic or plastic package and trying to scatter that as a bunch of discrete logic ICs. It's because, as I understand it, these customs are basically a way for the company to save on, on processes that are already used in several PCBs and they build the custom and use it forward, right? For the most part, but I'd say the main purpose is really to make cloners' lives miserable. Hmm, of course. For of the course. most part. That, 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 I think, is the primary focus, more so than actually saving on production costs. And to add to that, uh, the importance of preserving the clone boards, I, mm -hmm. I go for it. And I did, that, I did that with Jackal, I did that with Iron Horse, because the, the oddities of these bootlegs are, not, are usually not documented at all. Or I guess in some instances as well, these bootlegs are pro probably relatively unknown. There's also the matter of culture. You know, a lot of people play these clones instead of the original board. That too. And, and that gives them value. And uh, gives them value in several terms. First of all, it's an auxiliary part in, in a diagnosis like, like black wine and ace make. It helps. It, it might not be the perfect solution, but it helps. Yeah, it's the same sort of thing with Arkanoid. Some clone boards, or at least a good chunk of them by the looks of things, have AY38910s on them instead of the YM2149, which the problem with that is Arkanoid uses the YM2149's internal clock divider. That doesn't exist on the AY38910, so the sound is double pitch. <laughs> wow. And that's something which you can recreate with an FPGA, if you base your design off a of YM2149, because then you could just disable the clock divider. You get the same end result. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, so to, to round that up, yes, clones are valuable for research, for documentation. And in, in terms of general documentation, as it's regarded in, in MAME, for example, when, when you're dumping something, you don't have to, to select. Selecting is... Uh, uh, when you're preserving something that's not been preserved before, it's uh, not an option because everything will decay, everything will rot, and if we don't document it now, we have the chance in our hands right now. That's, and probably, yeah. that's especially true with uh, games that have a lot of custom hardware on them. For bootlegs, the main thing is any programmable logic, get that dumped immediately, or at the, at the very least brute-forced. Mm -hmm. Get that done right away, so that way, even if discrete logic fails, you could always replace it because it's just off the shelf and it's still in production. Yeah, yeah, but the the, the custom code that's inside of those uh, those devices is not like also pals and gals. It's it's an issue because most people don't dump them, and and main didn't use them. Yeah, that's the main thing with bootlegs in particular because a lot of them will use those programmable ICs. Could you explain them what the, the, these are? Well, I guess you could consider them as instead of having a circuit with a bunch of gates, you would instead get these chips and figure out your logic design, then have them uh, 
essentially burning the chip, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So instead of having just a massive layout, you have that one chip that does all the logic you want. I, I like or to at, think them at least as with... a precursor of an FPGA, a very caveman-like precursor. It's very crude in comparison, because it's just a very basic gates inside. I don't remember the exact internal structure, but it, 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 you could think of it as sort of a very primitive form of what, what would become uh, CPLDs, then FPGAs. Mm-hmm. And um, regarding this, uh, Blackpoint, ha- what have you been your issues when working on all these PCVs uh, in terms of uh, implementation? Well, uh, uh, I work uh, usually on, on more on on you know uh, pr- programmers level, or mm-hmm. uh, I'm not not an, uh, you know electric engineer or electronic t- type of guy. I'm, I'm you know uh, assembler coder originally, so so. My most experience was 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 uh, with that kind of of stuff. Although you know, with Mister, uh, I learned a lot about these things. But you know, uh, I'm not an expert. I don't feel like an expert with, with to, you know. That's that's the most valuable part of it, I believe. And uh, one thing that I bet everybody would like to know is how you got introduced uh, to Mister in that sense, and how did you started handling it and learning. Uh, yeah, so so well, I got into the mister and at the start of this year, actually. So it was really recent times, and uh, ju- just you know, I, I was I was in arch to 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 play. Uh, well, for example, Progur Arashi and and, mm-hmm. and some some uh, some uh, CPS. Uh, Games which uh, were coming out uh, early in this year, and and uh, that 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 was first step. And uh, the second second thing was uh, was I wanted the, the, this flip screen functionality mm-hmm. of, uh, originally to bomb Jack. So uh, so that's that's a very interesting game, as a matter yeah. of fact. Yeah, I love to play it, but but you know I, I couldn't play it on my CRT. So so I I in in uh, I think it was uh, uh, you know in Mar- early March uh, I I I got uh, the quarters uh, you know installed and and started started to to tinker with with the sources that were. Uh, available and and uh, well for for uh, uh, for a person with with uh, experience with uh, assembly language, uh, FPG is uh, is interesting because uh, you know it's really low level. It's even lower level than than assembly. But but uh, for sure, if you can do assembly, there's a, uh, I think you can also. Uh, get into FPGA and and some sometimes uh, you know th- th- this is uh, assembly coding uh, skill can help for example with uh, Super Pac-Man. Hotego has made uh, you know improved the core to 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 enable uh, this game, but 
but uh, it it's uh, freezed in the uh, uh, in uh, in the first phase of uh, you know the self mode test, and I could uh, dive into it uh, and and you know disassemble and check uh, what what really happens there and and patch the the the, the MRA. Mm -hmm. uh, to 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 enable this to run so so this this was like you know cr cracking a, a thing um but uh you know the, with the, with the time I, i'm 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 learning new things and uh, and and uh, that, that's that's great that that you, that you can you know uh make people happy enabling some games some functionalities and uh and also learn to, to how to how to, to to do this stuff. And uh, we also got the question that how did you first learn to edit and compile things in Mystery? Did you go through Alden's tutorials, or did you already have some idea about Quartus? And uh, I'll add, uh, how difficult was it for you? Uh, uh, you know, well, how, um, maybe I'll start with the last question: How difficult was it? Uh, well, I, I, the, the the scope was uh, uh, small enough, so so I you know didn't have to uh, have this uh, whole picture. So so I think uh, you know we, uh, certainly the the the, the assembly experience helped. So so I, mm. I don't think that, that was that difficult, uh, and and. Uh, but 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 that, that that's the point. If you, if you have this working cars, that what uh, I said at the beginning of 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 this of this event, that that you can you know um, uh, start start with with this and and, and progress upon it. So um, yeah, and uh, well. I think the first first part of uh, uh, the first question was about the quartus and well, this 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 is the simplest part to to set it up I think and and uh, the fine thing is really portable uh, so not not so not 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 like with you know C and C plus plus when you want to want to develop for for different platforms that there's a lot of code to get it running there and uh, with with Quartus and Mister the the single platform it's it, it becomes easy because you you don't have to care about many things but uh, I, I I can tell how it how how to, that would be if you don't do any programming for for example or, or you don't have experience with with um, you know electronics. Um, on, on, on low level, um, it it may take some time to get these things uh, right. And uh, for you, Ace, how how was the process? Was it easy? What uh, what did you follow? Of course, you already had some previous experience with FPGAs. I just went back to to my previous experience from having worked with the Cyclone Three and very old versions of Quartus back to when it was version nine. Hmm. Just went back to that and. Uh, I had done some Verilog as well in uh, college at the time, so went back to that after I started to convert Arkanoid to uh, Verilog. I was into VHDL at the time uh, that I was working on Arkanoid because 
that's what I was learning in university. But uh, from there, it's just to grab whatever experience I had prior and roll with it. And uh, there's something, of, of course, here in common that we've uh, touched a bit. You have the uh, Crunch and Demo Party Blackwine, and we haven't talked about that. Could you tell us yes. about that? Sure. Uh, one, thing, one more thing I would like to say, if you oh, want, sorry. Want, want to learn, uh, you know, uh, doing cars and uh, the, 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 the cars that Ace uh, uh, did uh, are really great reference i had to say this but you know it's very well uh commented uh, like every blog has comments so you can read it like a book and and really really when you want to start go there yeah and um and for the for for the question yes uh the the, the crunch demo party and uh well we we, we we would have to say what what the demo scene is because many people mm -hmm. uh, might not know uh but uh, yeah it's the the, the cra cracking uh, scene on or where scene we were talking about earlier mm -hmm. um was was uh, something uh, that the scene originated so you had this you know uh, crack intro with uh, the tiny executable with music uh, logo scroll text uh before you run a game and uh it evolved from there so uh the, 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 there was uh, um the, 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 the these intros became de demos where people start pu putting uh some nice effects like raster bar uh, effects you mentioned but also some some more advanced uh, stuff like uh, you know vectors, three uh, uh, D vectors or or, or or texture map vectors later, and uh, and yeah the the, uh, uh, the, the this this uh, started the the movement of Demosin, which is uh, really popular in Europe. I I don't think that much in in uh, other parts of the world but in this 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 ch changes and um it's something like uh, you know in in the nutshell it's some it's demo scene is a subculture uh, of m making art uh, using computers so people do uh, graphics uh, music or, or or this executable demos um to show off uh, what's possible with with a given machine uh, or what's what you can do how far can you push your skills um and and uh, yeah and we run demo parties the, 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 this is the, these are events uh, when you can release this this nice graphics uh, music and and demos um and compete with with other uh, folks or mm -hmm. groups of folks um yeah and um see yeah. what everyone else got during that year or months or whatever right and impress each other yes yes it's 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 a bit like uh, w with consoles uh, because uh, uh, it it works the best with 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 old computers uh, where you have uh, this fixed machine 
and mm -hmm. and uh, not not there is demo scene on on PC, but it's not that much interesting to me personally because of of this factor that uh, that you have to have the you know the the limited machine uh, not 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 a moving object so so you can really you know squeeze out of uh, it as much as you can like like with the console games for, you know early console games mm -hmm. are not that advanced like the the the, the games from the uh, you know the the later years so so it's 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 uh, also really nice that the a lot, a lot of stuff is released at demo parties for for you know Commodore 64 for example and uh, for me also uh, I was into demo scene until uh, two, 2001 I think that was my uh, last demo party I went uh, uh, you know uh, in in early days and I had a like 10 or 11 years uh, break wow and 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 uh, then uh, in 2012 i i've got my uh, first commodore 64 and went to a party called x uh, uh, it's in netherlands and uh, you know there were there were like uh, 400 people doing only commodore 64 stuff in in that year that was uh, yeah, something uh, i'd say shocking <laughs> That it is. people, 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 uh, you know, the, do that stuff uh, and and release so many good good productions. The, uh, so so, yeah, that that was you know some something uh, some revelation for me. Then I went to Datastorm to Sweden and 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 uh, I've have seen all, all these Amigas uh, there and and uh, you know that it it still lived and it. Uh, it actually renewed my my interest in in old hardware, I think, and to to you know uh, the arch to to do something with with it, to program it or or do some music, so also some pixeling, uh, uh, and and yes, the, uh, the, this is, this is uh, I think is a very large topic, and uh, you would have to if you would like to explore the scene. Uh, I would recommend to watch uh, some documentaries like Moment 2. Uh, actually, its full name is Moment 2 Demo Scene, The Art of the Algorithms. Uh, and the other one is uh, Art of Breaking Ground, uh, which is on YouTube, I think. And uh, uh, it was uh, shot at several demo parties. Uh, Including our own Dcrunch uh, in 2016, if I remember correctly, and uh, it tells a story about uh, our local Amiga scene. Um, there, there's webpage uh, demoparty.net when you can follow uh, this these events. Uh, they, they do streaming, especially since start of the pandemic. Uh, the, um, many many par parties parties only happened, uh, you know, online. It's uh, it 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 you know re returns to 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 the the older state where where you just uh, want wanted to go 
to, to the actual party and uh, wanted to experience it in in person yeah uh, not the same thing yeah it's 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 really important because especially when you release something and you see it on the big screen uh you know it's it's something that that you know dr drives you to do more of this stuff the, the ambient is electrifying i can imagine yes yes and yep. uh just out of curiosity, did more people assist uh, virtually or, or physically? Uh, well, uh, I, th I think, uh, yeah, yeah, pandemic, uh, of course, ha had had yeah. an impact on it. Uh, so, so yeah, and, and I think also it's the, 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 the amount of releases increased during the mm. pandemics. Of course. Maybe maybe because people spent spend more time at their homes or or whatever but but anxiety uh, <laughs> yeah but uh, i've been uh to 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 one party uh, okay okay two parties because we we we, we pu pulled off the crunch last year it was in in august uh, early august so it it was safe enough back then uh but but a little bit crazy not not much people uh, there uh, but uh you know, it's starting to recover, so I think more people now will want to go to these parties because you know the 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 the, the break was really long, and and it's important to you know to also to meet people that that there are into it. Yes. Yeah, and um, of course these demos are are heavy on showing off with the effects, 3D, audio, video, colors and yes. produce sound and video that's way beyond of what you'd expect from the platform yes, yes. every and every trick right yes and every 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 year uh, brings something new onto to this old platforms so, so yeah you you have and, to uh, mm -hmm. oh sorry what i find interesting about this is do all of these demos run on mystery well, uh, I think ma many, many, many should should run. I didn't test uh, that much uh, of this stuff on 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 the Mister uh, because I have um, the, 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 this, you know, computers like mm -hmm. Commodore sixty four, ZX Spectrum, uh, Amiga, Atari ST. As an organizer of of Decrunch, I, I have to I have to own this so so we can provide the real hardware and. It, well, that, that, that's 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 the really interesting question. If if Mister can help uh, demo scene, because you know uh, there was always a, a question of emulators in demo scene, of course, he, uh, and and uh, it's like that. Uh, that they are very important for development. So so you can mm -hmm. you know d d code on the go, for example, uh, the stuff faster uh, cycles. Yeah, but. But uh, we we don't know we we don't want uh, uh, demos uh, that run only on emulators and it can happen when you uh, mm -hmm. you know d develop something on not 100% create emulator for for three months and then you then you try test it on the real machine and it can differ because yeah. still these emulators aren't perfect. Yeah, they take shortcuts, and, and everything takes shortcuts, as we discussed. But uh, the what I was getting at uh, in general, just as you mentioned, it could be helpful because it will help just as as an emulator, but in a different kind of cycle, but a fast one in development. 
But uh, usually these these demos break emulators, uh, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. and that's why I asked because uh, if if they run properly, then uh, they help validate the platform as a, as a proper means of reproduction. Not saying that they sh- they would use mistress on these demonstrations. What I'm saying is these demonstrations and their results can help uh, to evaluate the precision of uh, yes, of yes. FPGA implementations. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're like, like, you know, the great tests of, of this. Stress you know, tests. Test cases, yes. Yeah, even when developing the 240p test suite, I found out that emulation didn't, it, it helps me. As, as you mentioned, you have a fast cycle, but I usually develop with the USB connected directly to the, to the console, you know, flashcard or uh, drop in mister. But you have to jump between all of those because things break down pretty easily. Yeah. And uh, emulation and uh, BFIA implementations could have differences uh, with uh, real hardware. And what I was getting at regarding audio and video is how important is it to you for, for these reproductions to have uh, indetectable differences or no differences at all in audio and video results? It's, uh, you know, utmost important. So we, we, we have to these these things you know, 100% accurate, if, if possible. For, could you elaborate a bit on the context of the question? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, what's, what's been the, the work that you've done in regards of audio and video uh, pre- signal integrity to be undistinguishable from the original hardware vintage implementation on, on Mr. and have you measured it? Oh, I've, I've tried to really be as close as possible, making sure, especially for things like video timings, uh, IRQ timings in particular, those are the main ones when it comes to actually timing the logic. Uh, So what I would do a lot would be, well, not just with the scope, but just first, just to get a baseline is to go through the OSSC. It's not quite perfect, but it does Mm -hmm. at least give a good indication of what the actual frequencies are. So from there, you could then play around with the... um, horizontal and vertical counters which those are used in order to really get the timings down you would have a pixel clock which is the frequency at at which the hardware is actually drawing pixels on the screen Hmm. so from there you can you then have to get the correct amount of horizontal lines and vertical lines in order to get the exact timings down along with that uh proper pixel clock in some cases, you could. I'll take the example of the Konami 082 custom chip. With that one, you can actually brute force it, like actually pump a, 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 a low to high pulse into the clock input, and you can see with LEDs connected to the output the exact values that it will increment between. And that's mm. what I would, what I did in order to get the timings right for. Uh, at the time, it was Time Pilot 84 making sure that everything is exact, even down to the actual centering of the analog output. Because Konami Mm -hmm. games do have very awkward centering where it gets shifted to the right side of the screen, but it also gets a vertical offset so far up that part of the visible area ends up in overscan on a consumer-grade CRT or just any consumer-grade display in general. That's a really interesting point because on a topic... Because I've noticed that in, in many cases, like for example, I don't know, consoles, the, the video signal is, uh, as presented by, by Mr. on an analog domain, is uh, 
it's kind of an idealized version, right? For the most part, yeah. And and that's uh, very interesting because uh, when when I uh, got my Mistra, I expected everything to be on par with the original hardware. But then I understood that having a, a an idealized version that's uh, up to the same levels for each one of the consoles and centered in the same way is uh, it serves its own different purpose, right? Yeah, then there's there's also a thing of uh, the age of the hardware. Sometimes you'll end up with a bit of drifting on the clocks. Mm -hmm. So you might end up with, you have essentially what is a theoretical ideal model, especially with the precision of the PLL that's in the uh, D, uh, in the Cyclone 5 on the DE10 DE10 Nano, which for those who don't know what that does, it's used in order to generate other frequencies within the FPGA. The board itself has a 50 megahertz clock that is taken in. And from there, you can configure a PLL in order to, say, increase the frequency if necessary, or otherwise bring it down to something that would then be divisible by an integer factor to whatever frequencies you need for your system. Okay. And uh, if... It's always the case that you end up with the exact frequencies you want from that uh, uh, in process? General, in general, yeah. PLLs are they're a lot more precise than they used to be. I'm going to cite the PlayStation as an example where sometimes it could go a little bit askew because with the PU20 and later PlayStations, rather than use the actual uh, main clocks at 53 plus megahertz, they're the same ones as on the Genesis and also on the PAL Mega Drive, 53.693175 MHz for NTSC, 53.2034 MHz for PAL. Rather than have those, later PlayStations replace them with slower clocks going through a PLL to multiply the clocks back up to the desired frequency for whatever uh, video standard is supposed to be output by that particular console. Hmm. Those seem to run a little bit slower. And this is something that I was able to, to see by sampling streaming audio and looking at the timestamp of the recordings through the same sound card. So consistently, the ones that had the PLL would always have timestamps that would be a little bit further ahead in, uh, or further in time than mm. the earlier revisions from PU7 to PU18, indicating that the PLL systems are running that little bit slower. It's not to the point where it will be perceptible, but the slower speed is still present. It's not so much the case with modern PLLs anymore. Interesting. And, and that's something that, that we have to live with, and, and it's not noticeable today, like the SNES with the ceramic resonator. Oh, a different... that is, that is the, one of the worst examples when it comes to inconsistencies, yeah. because you'll even get inconsistencies within the same hardware revision. And, and even your same over... system. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you had determined that yourself on the same system. Over time, from heat buildup, you can have your ceramic resonator drift. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's something interesting that's, uh, you you can argue around uh, preserving that or idealizing it, right? Yeah, although per per this drift <laughs> might actually not quite be... I, I wouldn't really know how to model that exactly to where... Uh, uh, unless you were to, say, play around with the PLL, reconfiguring it over time, but you might end up messing up the entire system that way because unless you have a dedicated PLL, which... Having tried that with Jackal at first, because the um, the sound clock is completely different from the rest of the system, 
yeah. you could end up with compilation issues, either timing violations or your compile then never finishes because of a congestion issue. Ah, I see. So it's it's more more essential than than I imagined because yeah. we were joking around and and Discord and talking about how you could define the temperature from the menu of, of what the model Super Nintendo system frequency would be. Well, I mean, you could do something like that, where if you use, say, a fractional clock divider, you could potentially from there have it reconfigurable to, say, either varying temperature. Actually, that would probably be the better way to do it, to go with um, a fractional clock divider that keeps changing a little bit, either over time or with specific parameters you set in the core. That would be one, one way to do it. Yeah, it, it's interesting because that's why the Toslink mods don't work in some audio receivers, right? Yeah, because you end up with uh, sample rates that are not a flat 32 kilohertz on different Super NES systems. Not, we're not, never mind hardware revisions, but even... <laughs> the same system. I, I bet yeah. you never get 32 kilohertz. Never, ever. You'd have to be Unless like at zero, maybe... de zero degrees. <laughs> Yeah, unless maybe you get a, a clone Super NES. Those yeah. seem to have very consistent uh, speed and pitch, but that's because they're all using uh, crystals, not, not ceramic resonators. But the thing is, the clone chipsets appear to be analog only. Hmm. The DECs are integrated within. Interesting. The, the thing, too, with the Super NES, and this was something that I had touched upon with... Um, in one of Bob's Retro RGB's roundups in 2018 was the stereo skewing on all Super NES revisions prior to SNS CPU RGB02. And that was from forcing the VREF pins from the UPD 637... Uh, I think it's a 6376, I might get the numbers wrong, but... That DAC was having both of its VREF pins for the left and right outputs forced to the same voltage through a single 47 UF capacitor. Hmm. So that worked for the UPD6379 on the SNS CPU RGB02 all the way up to the Mini. And when I say Mini, I'm, I mean the later 1997 revision, not the Classic Edition. I will explicitly refer to that one as the Super NES Classic Edition. But back to my point... It works for that being as it has a single VREF for both left and right outputs. The UPD6376, on the other hand, has separate outputs, separate VREFs for each of the left and right channels. So if you force both to the one capacitor, it appears to skew the balance to the left channel to varying degrees on mm -hmm. a console-by-console -console basis. Sometimes yeah. it'll be very minute, other times you could exceed, you could sometimes get it like close to two decibels worth of difference. Mm -hmm. And the thing there would be to then break the link and put in the missing 41, 47 UF capacitor. Then you'll get your balance back the way, the way it should be. Yeah, so, so show is asking us regarding this topic, the, where, where do you draw the line? And what should we preserve then? Maybe the original iteration? I'd say if there are obvious issues that have been corrected in later hardware revisions have those perhaps be something optional alongside the corrected the fixed uh the, the fixed whatever has been fixed in later revisions and it's interesting for example the genesis uh, or mega drive core have the the two synths available yeah. and uh, filtering for for several models mm -hmm. Uh, so it, it's up to 
if it's regarded as meaningful and, and the person that's implemented it. Uh... It's definitely meaningful in that case. I used to take mm -hmm. a hard line with the Genesis where it's get a system with a YM2612 or don't bother with it <laughs> at all. But I've opened up to it after having seen a video where Fantasy Zone's arcade soundtrack was actually recreated with the YM3438. And it was so good that it practically sounded exactly like a YM2151. And in nice. that case, that's where the YM34... That would be one instance where the YM3438 is actually the chip to go for. Because mm -hmm. the fact that it has less of the ladder effect from the YM2612, it's still there, but it's almost inaudible. It makes the YM3438 a better target for trying to recreate the sound of a YM2151. Hmm. Which probably was what some developers did, right? Possibly, I can't yeah, confirm that. But of course. some some sounds were brought over from the YM3812, which is the chip that was used in early Sound Blaster sound cards and the AdLib mm -hmm. prior to that. Mm -hmm. So this was a thing mainly with Toa Plan games. They used the YM3812 a lot, and those would then be brought over to the YM2612 when those games were ported over to the Genesis. And man, I will love when we get Toa Plan on the mystery. Oh, yeah. <laughs> About that, actually, the core looked like it was in a good state until uh, sound was implemented because it looks like there isn't really a good Yamaha OPL clone mm. that goes beyond the... I forget what's the part number of the YM3812's predecessor. Uh, it's, uh, uh, let me... YM35-something. Just... I can't remember the last two numbers. I have them listed here. But while, while we go into that... Um... Uh, what's, what do you think about the Seath implementation, Blackwine? Have you tried that? Uh, which implementation, sorry? Uh, the, the Commodore 64 SID. Uh, the, the sound chip well, for the Commodore 64, since you've been also working on demos for that, right? Not really. On Commodore 64, I only worked on, on, on Pixels. Uh, oh, but, Pixels, you know, sorry. But, I, I yeah, mis yeah, but misunderstood that. Of course, I, I know I know uh, the chip very well. Uh, I think it's uh, probably uh, the, the the most it gives most beautiful sound sound of all chips, even if there are only you know three three channels. But you know the the, the filters and and stuff like that uh, makes it really powerful device. But uh, you know, the, the, I think creation, especially the the six five eight one, the the earlier uh, version, they can uh, you know sound really differently uh, with 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 eight five eight zero. It's 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 more consist consistent between chips, but but I didn't uh, deep 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 dive to in, into into FPGA implementation, how, 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 uh, how good Difference, it is. Right. Yeah. I, of course, I, I, would, I would like to do some tests, but I can't, I can't speak right now how, how good yeah. it is. And uh, the YM3812, right, is, is one of them in the Plan PCBs? That's what Plan PCBs use, but what I was referring to regarding uh, implementations that are out there for Yamaha OPL oh. family chips was the YM3526. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's it's uh, a whole world of stuff there. Yeah, then, then, then when you start getting into the rabbit hole of OPL3 clones, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of them, and some are better than others. 
Yeah, and uh, some PCBs were manufactured with the with the clones, right? Choplin, not in particular, but uh, I bet that uh, clones, Korean versions. I haven't really seen many of those, if any. Um, yeah. I have seen a lot of bootlegs with fake YM2151s, though. Hmm. And uh, talking about uh, these, uh, how difficult it is to work on the analog part of the PCBs when, when you implement them? Oh, that's probably one of the more time-consuming uh, parts of it, especially because, well, I mean, right now, MD Fourier, well, that, that's an essential thing, at least on the Genesis side of things. But for arcade boards, I have to go with a, I guess, may, maybe a bit more of a rudimentary method of not only listening by ear, but also uh, being able to see the entire audio spectrum and making sure that the entire frequency range actually has the same amplitude between a reference recording from the PCB and a raw digital recording from the core over optical audio. Mm -hmm. And uh, we could get MD3 for every one of those. I, I think I have enough work for a lifetime to do that. <laughs> I would love to. Oh yeah, there are a lot of platforms. But if, if I can suggest perhaps a starter platform, try the Sega System C2. Hmm. Because that's based on the Genesis. The only thing is that the Z80 doesn't exist on that one. Everything goes through a slightly faster 68,000. And that, that's good because MD Fourier on the Sega Genesis runs from the 68,000 processor. Okay, so you should be able to... You might have to readjust for the Sega System C2's address space, but you still have the same Genesis VDP. Uh, you would, though, need to make a ROM that would be compatible with the UPD7759 ADPCM mm. sound chip in order to uh, measure the frequency response out of that. Have something yeah. maybe that produces the same sort of frequency sweep that the Sega CD part of the MD Fourier test for the Genesis would produce. Yeah, yeah, we'd need to encode uh, proper samples for that platform. It would need to be ADPCM, although I don't mm -hmm. know what sample rate would be required for that. Uh, I, I can imagine that we can encode it with socks like we did for the PC Engine. I'm not sure about that, but it would pr likely be at a fairly low sample rate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it would be a limited sweep in that regard. But yeah, that's something that somebody that's uh, listening and, and uh, that does uh, code for any specific platform, you could help on creating an MD Fourier profile for... not. I, I would work on the profile on, on the analysis software, but if you can work on the, on the side of coding for the platform, like coding at tone sweep generator for FM generator for any of these arcade PCBs or game platforms that would help developers to, to approximate this sound better. We've got a question regarding the YM2612's uh, output. <laughs> yes, it is truncated from, four, from the raw 14-bit output down to 9 bits for the uh, final analog output, which uh, if you think back to the Mega SG, that one, that system is actually able to be switched between having the truncated 9-bit output or the full 14-bit output. Mm -hmm. And if I recall, Mr. by default uses the truncated 9-bit output. Yeah, since it's replicating the hardware. Yes. That was the, the intention. And uh, there's, there's also uh, some other Konami PCB that you worked on, Time Pilot. Yeah, TimePilot84 was the first one I did, but originally it was supposed to have been Gyrus, but the same day that I started to gather data for that game, uh, Mr. X had actually uh, teased that he was working on that, so I, I 
figured to just leave that to him. I went ahead and did Time Pilot 84 instead. And this was really what exposed how the literal model was really not the way to go. Because some of the code for the Konami custom chips was made in a way where it was actually producing unstable compiles. Like every couple of compiles, or even sometimes every compile, I'd get very inconsistent results, especially on the sprite side. Wow. So it, it, it was to the point where I just got fed up. I said, forget it. I'm going to throw all of this away. I'm going to start over with a brand new model piece by piece. Just go little by little because sometimes I would end up breaking the core to the point where I could not recover it and I couldn't find where it was going wrong. Hmm. So from then, I just changed my entire method of going for the one-to-one model, going with it for the identical clocks. Uh, I instead went with the usual uh, or the more typical method of a single base clock with a clock enable instead of the same frequency as the slower clocks on the board. Hmm. It made a much more stable model. Yeah, it's called meta stability, right? The, 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 yeah, the... that was that was really not good at all on uh, Time Pilot eighty four at first, to the point where different misters were even producing res- uh, glitches that I was not getting on mine. That's that's. So that that really prompted the uh, the entire rewrite of Time Pilot eighty four, and as a model that I even reused for the Gyrus rebuild, because what what. Mr. X had done already was was in a good state. There was still room for improvement. So I thought, okay, let me take what I did for Time Pilot 84 and rework that for Gyrus, which exposed a flaw in my implementation of the Konami 503 mm. custom chip because that game actually has faster timings for it. And with the way that I had the logic originally, it was too slow and some of the sprites were getting uh, misplaced on the screen or otherwise flickering. Then it, I had to uh, find a way with uh, a cycle-accurate model of the Motorola 6809E CPU by Greg Miller. That is a fairly meticulously crafted clone of the MC6809E. Konami put a encrypted version of this <laughs> on Gyrus and a couple of other games. And the thing was, it was encrypted using the uh, two of the address lines on every uh, even, I think it's the even-numbered bits. Uh, someone correct me if I'm wrong on that one. The even-numbered data bits were actually encrypted, and it was the opcodes that were encrypted. So wow. I had to find how to inject the opcodes directly into Greg's implementation because uh, what Mr. X had done was exactly that with CPU09, which is a model that turned out to be actually not quite accurate to the original 6809E. It was actually running faster in certain mm-hmm. instances. And thanks to um, DevSaurus, who is uh, Arnim, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, so I'm not even going to try it. Um, his SN76489 is used in Time Pilot 84 with a couple of bug fixes to deal with um, the noise channel and a couple of off by one errors. But he found a bug in the sign extension instruction for Greg's MC6809E, which is actually causing Time Pilot 84 to draw the tile map in the wrong order. That's so specific. <laughs> if, yeah, it, that, just that one instruction, because it was not handling the flags, all the condition codes, 
it was producing incorrect results for the tilemap layer. But nothing else that I was using that CPU model with exhibited any sort of anomalies. <laughs> and I eventually figured it out, figured out a way to directly inject those opcodes into Greg's MC6809E. I was breaking my head with um, a reverse engineered model of, or not so much a reverse engineered model, but um, the, there was a schematic for a bootleg gyrus board that had a separate board with the MC6809E and some logic to do the opcode decryption. Tried that at first and it would never work. So I decided, okay, let me try something. Let me try this direct opcode injection. Scan through the code, find where I think it would go. By pure luck, I got it first shot. <laughs> wow. So I've been using that now for the Konami 1, that, that XOR XNOR encrypted MC6809E, and which is now in jailbreak. Exactly, and that brings us to you've been working together on some stuff, right? That's yeah, been our... not, 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 yeah, not not really together, but we, we both were working. I would say. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we were actually we actually ended up getting the games the game going in our own methods practically at the exact same time. Blackwine wow. though was confident enough, I guess you could say, to release it as is. But me being the kind of person I am with audio, the fact that the VLM fifty thirty was not really a thing, I decided to hold it back. Then speaking to DevSource a bit, he ended up then creating a gate level model of the VLM5030 using a decap of the chip. And the end result is better than pretty much any other clone of the chip that I've heard outside of commercial software emulation. Mm. It's, it's, it's really in a good spot. And that gives me confidence when I get to the Konami GX400 platform because mm -hmm. Salamander makes use of that chip. And that's one of the two big ones for me, the other one being Gradius, which is on the same platform. And the bubble memory. Well, I'm not going to get onto the bubble memory right away. I'm going to start first with the ROM conversions Nemesis. and uh, Nemesis as well, the international release. Mm -hmm. But from there, it's going to be a progressive buildup with the GX400 platform. I'm going to start with the video board being its own separate model. Try to get the six custom chips on there decapped so that way I can model them directly and follow the schematics along with the original board because the schematics are n uh, the scan is not a very good quality so it's a bit hard to read. I'll have to follow that plus you, you trace could also out the board. make a, a request on Twitter and we could amplify it so that probably somebody has a manual somewhere that could be rescanned. <laughs> Someone saying my secret plan to get Gradius 3 running is exposed. <laughs> it's no secret. I've already been vocal about that. We know that Furtech is decapping the chips that are used in the graphics section for Gradius 3 and a couple of other games that run on similar hardware. That one, as much as I resent Gradius 3, <laughs> I will still work on it. I'm going to leave Gradius 2 to Yatego because someone it's had... It's a beast of a PCV. That yeah, he has, he has the board. Someone actually sent it to him for that purpose and it would be rude of me to take that away from him. Of course. I, I love that PCB. It's, and, it's, uh, it's really complex, though. Just looking at it, that giant stack. Yeah, and, and it's huge. And 68,000s as well. Yes, it, it's a huge beast. A huge one with custom chips galore on the bottom board. Yeah, on the same page you have the Namco boards for Filios and, and 
Valkyrie, Valkyrie Chronicles and that. Mm -hmm. oh, sorry. And, yeah, uh, you could even throw in uh, Sega Super Scalar boards in the mix as well. Yeah, and Dragon to, Spirit. Uh, I'm thinking more Sega X board and Sega Y board. The boards for the likes of Afterburner 2, Thunderblade, yeah. Galaxy Force, G Lock, and Power Drift. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff there. Oh, I man. love that area. Y board, especially. I've got one here. It is so damn big. Another <laughs> giant two board stack with triple 68,000s on it. Wow, nice. It's crazy <laughs> huge and crazy complex for its time. And um, uh, we got a question that uh, Sentient yes. Six Cent is, is, if someone is able to donate something other than cash, what it's needed? Are any specific PCBs needed by Ace or Blackwing to move forward? Well, one for sure would be either uh, Russian Attack, aka Green Beret, or Jailbreak to properly mm. validate the video timings on that because... Right now, they're assumed to be the same as uh, Iron Horse and Jackal running on the 005885 custom chip because uh, Jailbreak and Green Beret run on the 005849, which looks to be fairly closely related. And uh, I would say that people can donate time and work as well. Not sure. Only... Uh, not just the boards, but even just research. Uh, oscilloscope captures, uh, logic, probe, logic probe analysis... Uh, um, or anything off of a logic analyzer, really. Schematic scans, that schematic too. manual cleanups. Yep. Right? Because uh, it's sometimes so low res that if somebody could work out upscaling those and cleaning them up. Yeah, that some, helps. Games, though, some games, there aren't even schematics uh, going around. And yeah. I'm going to cite one that I'm working on, but is likely very far from a release because of what looks like a bad dump of one of the sound roms and that is finalizer super transformation wow i didn't know i don't know that one it's another 005885 based game but this one actually uses extra functionality in the chip including an extended 280 by 224 video mode to draw wow. the score display <laughs> and that also makes use of the second tile map layer for which logic was not originally implemented for iron horse and jackal being as those two don't use that layer but it also has differences in some IRQ timings. Uh, it expects V blank, weirdly enough, on one of the input ports to the CPU's data uh, bus. At the same time as it's receiving control inputs for the start buttons, the service button, and the coin slots. <laughs> it's very weird. But the main thing is the sound on that one because there is a Konami custom chip on that, the SND01 which, as far as I can tell, looks like a customized or potentially just rebadged NEC8749 microcontroller with an embedded ROM on it. Hmm. The current dump is from a bootleg board. And by the sounds of it, it looks like it might have been a poorly crafted clone, maybe po possibly done by ear or at least just some very crude attempt at dumping it from the chip, the actual one. And the end result is actually pretty nasty mm, because geez. everything is off pitch and several sounds are either completely missing or not right at all. So a decap would be needed then. Absolutely, absolutely. First to figure out what the chip actually is and to extract the ROM contents. Uh, work for Team Europe. <laughs> Hopefully. The problem <laughs> is those boards are crazy expensive. The ones I see after currency conversion, if I was to get one, we're looking at something like $750 plus 
just <sighs> just to put into context how ridiculous pricing is on boards and this is actually the big motivation for me to get these games on mister because they're to get the authentic experience it's starting to become prohibitively expensive and inaccessible to many except the only exception being those either with deep pockets or who are really desperate to get the actual experience or that bought it like 20 years ago that too yeah it's it's a shame and uh are there alternative alternatives to decapping sometimes they can glitch them but uh it's usually not the case uh, shaw mentions if x-ray is an option for that i'm not entirely sure I don't think so, show because yeah. uh, Especially they are multi-layered sometimes. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was about to say. If your if your die has multiple layers on it, I don't think the X-ray would actually give a clear indication as to which layer is which. You'd probably get all the layers superimposed directly one on top of one another, and you wouldn't be able to discern anything. Yeah, you'd need to be really good to to work with that. Yeah, a decap is the better way to do it. Yeah, sometimes what what the team Europe usually does is decaps and and covers the, the, the data and then just flashes the protection and can dump them. Yep. And, and I think uh, in this case for Finalizer, it's it's a requirement because the existing dump is, well, like I said, it, it's got problems. But the hmm. big test, and this, is the, this would be something that I would suggest if the SND01 is decapped, take that dump and put it on a standard off-the-shelf 8749 microcontroller or any sort of Intel 8049-based microcontroller. Then run that on the original PCB to make sure that you, you can actually replace the SND01 with a standard off-the-shelf part. Hmm. So, so basically that it's just a, a, a red herring in some way. You could say that. Oh, that, that it's probably just uh, labeled as such to make it obfuscated, that's what I meant. Yeah, uh, that yeah, that's what I meant by it being oh. a remarked off-the-shelf part. Yeah. Which, oh, sorry, uh, sorry, I didn't get you. Yeah, so I I, th I know some companies did that, but I'm I think Konami were probably one of the few that actually just made their own custom parts and paid no attention to that, except maybe in this one case. Hmm. Yeah, and any other stuff that you think that could help you, uh, Blackwine, as well, because you you didn't uh, reply to that. Oh, uh, that, that that was uh, well described by Ace, but uh, anything can can help, uh, like even recordings, some hi-fi, uh, you know, sound recordings, or, or, or of course, it, it's it's best to to have have you know this stuff in hand, but. But of course. If you, if you In case I own something that you are working on, I I, I know he's going he's going to say that I'm sometimes very sl slow, <laughs> but I can help with that. <laughs> oh, it, it, it's not just you being slow. I I forget as well because I got so much I'm working on. So uh, sometimes it I, gets it gets lost along the way. In my case, it's it's, it's cleaning up the space to to bring up the board. Yeah, to which the... which brings me now that I think about it to another core that. Uh, I've got a rebuild that's almost ready to go. Just need to validate a couple of things with Artemio on, on this one. Uh, the original Time Pilot. Mm -hmm. I've got a, a new model of that working on my end, and I'm going to try to bring that to uh, to update the core, bring it closer to the actual timings, and also get the sound more in line with what you would expect from the original board. Because timings also had some graphical glitches, right? Yeah, there were a couple of graphical anomalies at the sprite layer, 
um, as well as what looked like an overly big, uh, or, or rather, V-blank that was ending too early and showing some garbage graphics that you mm, wouldn't mm -hmm. see on the PCB. Exactly. Because that's, that's something I ran immediately. It's, it's, I run the PCB and, and the and Mr. side-to-side on, on different cabinets, yep. and I noticed that. Yeah, that, that's one of the more obvious things you'd see. But the main thing is, and this is going to be a concern with Konami boards that use the AY38910. Mm. None of their boards use any pull-down resistors, so resistors from the output pins to ground. They're just directly mixed with a resistive adder. So a series resistor, audio pin to a single junction where all the audio outputs, the three audio channels from the chip, are connected together. And it's, it significantly changes the volume scale by doing that. And that's something also uh, that's, that's been the, a point of discussion or, or, or the kind of preservation that you'd like. Some developers have preferred to have the perfect digital output. And, and some others prefer to, to replicate the original analog circuitry, right? Yeah, and this, this, was, uh, this, is, this is a big debate, uh, I guess you could say, in uh, cer certain aspects, whether you, you actually want to have a perfect representation, perfect in the sense of what a raw digital representation of the chip would put out. But mm -hmm. the other thing to keep in mind as well is that if you really want to have the authentic experience of the board, or of any platform really, you need to also take into account any filtering that gets applied, on, be it digital filtering or even analog filtering, because that will alter what you hear coming out of the cabinet speakers. Which also brings me to the point of recreating mm -hmm. the experience of the cabinet itself from your TV speakers or your sound system. Of course. It's one thing to try to recreate the acoustic characteristics of the cabinet itself and the type of speaker it uses, but you also have to take into account that what goes into the speakers on the cabinet is the final filtered output mm -hmm. coming out of the board. So it's not enough to just take the raw analog output or at least a representation of the raw analog output from the board, or, or in this case, the uh, implementation on the FPGA, and just run that straight through uh, any sort of adjustable filter that you would select through the Mr. UI. You would yes, have to first apply the filtering to the core, then have the filtering trying to recreate the audio signature of a full cabinet with its mm -hmm. speaker setup on top of that. Yeah, because uh, for, for people that might not be into this, when, when you have the PCP, and uh, one, one idealized version is take out the amplifier and just grab the digital outputs and that would be plugged into a digital system. That would end up being analog in the end. You then have the option or, or preference what it is to have the original PCV connected to a super gun that's transparent or a cabinet and output that to a hi-fi audio system or your audio system. That would be the filtering that, that Ace is talking about in the PCB. Yeah, if you were to just put that straight to your uh, straight to your TV, straight to your sound system, you'd get the raw output from the board. But if you're trying mm -hmm. to recreate the experience of the entire uh, sound system that's in the cabinet, mm -hmm. then you'd have to apply another filter on top of that, which you could do with the selectable filters that you could apply from the Mr. UI. Yeah, because uh, this uh, when we're talking about arcade speakers, they were usually just a, a single driver. Yeah, it's uh, one 
12 volt driven amplifier direct to I guess it'd be usually a four or eight ohm speaker in those cabinets. Yeah, usually eight, and uh, some cases high quality stereo ones were were four. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and that changes or shapes the sound. So it's it's different levels and it's complications. I believe I'm well, personally I'm happy with having the raw outputs of the PCV from Mister because uh, they they were filtered for a reason, right? Yeah, uh, in. In some instances, it's mostly due to, I guess you could say, inadequately specced parts. I keep mm -hmm. going on, ragging on the NEC UPC324G op-amp, because this is one that Konami used a lot on their boards, and it is very heavily prone to crunch and hiss. A lot of crossover distortion on that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult topic. In, in... Yeah, and especially with low-grade amplifiers like that, if you don't have enough filtering, they will distort to a ridiculous degree. Uh, I agree. Yeah, it's I to agree. the point. It was to the point. I actually tried this on the Genesis. Put the sound through an LM324 with very little filtering. It sounded like there was no low pass filter whatsoever. So the sound was compressed, blown out, and just sounded awful in general. <laughs> and, and that could be an option, right? It could be idealized and improved. Yeah. Or, or preserved as, as is and uh, the proper sound. And Sentient mentions that we don't have to preserve the hiss. No, of course not. No, uh, that would be something something extra, I guess you could say, because that that is, and we touched, I think we touched upon this uh, some at some other point. I believe um, so. To recreate some of the more undesirable characteristics of mm -hmm. a PCB's or a console's audio setup, being things like distortion, hiss, uh, any sort of clipping because the gain is blown out too much, which is a thing on the Genesis, particularly because of Shadow of the Beast. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That game is so unbelievably loud that the majority of hardware revisions will clip it to a, an insane degree. Getting the best out of the PCBs. Well, uh, I think for that, you'd have to actually model the uh, crossover distortion of LM358, LM324 class op amps, which... Um, I'm not exactly sure how to go about that, but if you were to look at a waveform, if you were to look up what crossover distortion is, you'd see images of where a a sine wave, let's say, was to cross over from a positive peak to to the negative. You would see that it would start to flatline when it starts to reach zero. Then it would sharply drop towards the negative peak, come back, and it would do the same thing. So you wouldn't get a proper sine wave. You'd get one that is slightly distorted. And with a lot of high-frequency content, uh, especially with FM synthesis chips, you could potentially get a lot of distortion as a result of that. Audible distortion. Interesting. Yes, it's... Um, yeah, Black One mentions that uh, in the chat that he'd recommend the Amiga version of Shadow of the Beast. Yeah, that's, that's the original, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I think it got, is. Yeah, it's got some unique sounds to, to it. Yeah, the Genesis version is not really that highly regarded. No, I, I have some um, nostalgia for it since I got it after my cousin played it in his Amiga. So, Actually, fun fact, I never knew this game existed until it was brought up that it was so unbelievably <laughs> loud. Because when I did the Mega Amp and Mega Amp 2.0 in 2014, 2017, uh, first I was trying to get the gain up to about where a standard Genesis would be. Then with the 2.0, tried to put it as high as possible to match the 
maximum volume of the headphone output of the Model 1, that was not the way to go because this game produces such loud sound that those two will clip. I I, I don't know if I told you, but I made a test to try and, and, and match this. That's, that's called constructive interference. I, I believe I didn't release it. But the idea is to play all channels at the same or uh, harmonic frequencies so they can add up. I believe that's what's happening there in Shadow of the Beast. I'm not sure about that, but whatever the case may be, I think most of the channels, if not the entire YM2612, for whatever reason, is being set to either maximum or close to maximum volume for each channel. And with all of those piling up, you get distortion because you end up overwhelming your audio amplifier. Yeah, of course. Uh, the, the PC Engine CD version. No, I, I would recommend stick to the Amiga version. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Right. Cinemas are interesting in the PC Engine CD version, but no. <laughs> well, I haven't played it, so I'm going to refrain from commenting on that. <laughs> it's a very hard way, a game anyway, but it's visually very appealing. It's very interesting. And the music is great in, in the original version. Yeah, I liked I'm Genesis rendition, but... <laughs> yeah, and, and Shadow of the Beast 3, I remember I, I played this, and uh, mu music uh, plays a role in this too, because it changes. Uh, Is that an Amiga exclusive? Because I don't think that one yeah. got a port to the Genesis. I think Shadow of the Beast 2 did, but the third one I don't recall seeing. I believe it's exclusive, I'm not sure. Yeah, it may be exclusive, yes. <laughs> And um, there's also some games that uh, caught my eye from from your list, like one Phoenix and Playgates. Phoenix, yeah. Well, well, it was uh, at my early time with 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 doing Mister stuff, and it also was that 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 uh, you know uh, flip screen thing mm. I was doing in in the at the beginning. So yeah, it's 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 nice game. Like all, all shmups, I, I love to play them. Also, this one. Uh, Any stories from from your childhood with it? Or? Oh, not really that that that, that far. Uh, well, <laughs> some some time. I love. I, I, I like, I'm asking because something led you to 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 fix it, right? Or oh, well, to add the the dip switch for for monitor flipping. Yeah, but but so I was generally I was looking looking at these games, trying to play them and. Uh, if if it mm. didn't, didn't had a flip, uh, I look at the code and what what I can do with it, and and, and you know d d did uh, the the thing with a bunch of cars, uh, mm -hmm. Pango, Donkey Kong games. By by the way, uh, Donkey Kong uh, need need some real uh, improvements to the to to the audio. So maybe Ace could help because it's too harsh. Uh, I think it's using samples. Yes, it is. Uh, instead of logic, so 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 it has to be like you know, you know rebuilt from ground up. That that's not part of it. And and it's an interesting case because the amplifier is not in the PCB; it's in the cabinet. So if any filtering is applied from that, uh, you would lose it if you were to grab straight from the board. But the main thing here. Uh, from what I recall, this is one that doesn't use a, a dedicated sound chip, but is instead using logic gates, timers, and uh, RC filters, maybe even LC filters. I might be wrong on that, but it's all just discrete components all combined into one. 
a big circuit to generate sound. But mm. for that, you'd have to do what I said to either uh, verify how those timers are actually working together, what what output comes out of them, and be able to recreate something similar with the uh, with the FPGA. Mm. And then and then the other thing would be to properly get the cutoff frequencies of the filters. With mm. uh, in the case you could you, one example would be to use Sultan's filter from the Genesis Core, and a uh, I like to use a site known as Micromodeler DSP to get the cutoff frequencies, get the parameters that would generate the desired cutoff frequencies. Sometimes with a little bit of an offset down or up, because sometimes it might be too muffled or not muffled enough. So sometimes you'd have to play around a little bit with that. Uh, Moon Patrol is the same way, right, as well? Moon Patrol, I'm not sure off the top of my head. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, yeah. I, believe I know Galaxian for sure uses discrete logic for its uh, audio side. Also for, for video, right? Colors are hard-coded by resistors, if I remember right. I don't recall the video section of um, uh, Galaxian off the top of my head. Yeah, well, but that was something kind of common back in the day. Yeah, P-ROMs were definitely the most common from what I saw. Mm, then you'd, you would have weighted resistor DACs in order to generate the analog output. Yeah, but for general purpose, right? Yeah. I, I remember one of these PCBs had the, the sprite colors hard-coded by resistors. I, I can't remember which one. That I haven't personally seen from what, I, what I've come across is mostly, like I said... Uh, P-ROMs connected to weighted resistor DACs or otherwise uh, some sort of pallet RAM. Hmm. Which that was the case with Jackals in particular. Although that one, this is another one of those instances where it's like Konami just went overboard. They actually created a board encased in ceramic with chip on board, glop top the, uh, logic ICs, on the board itself and standard off-the-shelf RAM on the underside. And they would solder that directly to the board. Wow. <laughs> so I ended up actually modeling it in that same manner because if you want to create a clone of that module, and in fact, if you were to do that, you could theoretically add an extra HDMI output with a scaler to get the, the video output to a digital display. Just have it raw digital instead of digitizing it, which the original DAC, from what I was able to determine going through the OSSC, the RetroTINK 5X, you really don't want to be oversampling the analog output from these because they tend to have green smearing. Hmm. That's, uh, that's terrible when it happens because when, when you have a PCB that does that, it, it feels like it's... Uh... Dirty. <laughs> I don't know. It's, yeah, but it's the strange. thing is that there seems to be a common occurrence with those custom DAC modules on the uh, on Konami boards because mm. I see it with Salamander as well. Mm, it doesn't use the exact same one, but I think the output is the same: five bits per color, buffered through a transistor and sent out the JAMA connector. Mm. And the end result does get very blurry if you try to oversample it. Interesting. I've seen that happen also within some uh, Traplin PCBs that don't have a ground uh, in the in the video connector. It happens a lot when, when it's not grounded. Yeah. It just looks smeared. Yeah, in this case, I just think it's a poor quality output stage. Hmm. And it was particularly bad when attempting to use 
a THS7314, at the time I was trying to split the signal between a data pathy one for capture, and I think I was the OSSC at the time, but the end result was such a smeary mess that <laughs> I, I ended up trashing the whole thing. What a shame. Yeah, it really didn't work out. <laughs> and uh, we, we have uh, one topic, I believe, before we, we enter the, the last part of the program. Mm -hmm. it, it was talking about uh, current display technology. Oh, yes. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, people already know what I think about that, uh, at least with um, regards to OLED. And uh, I'm, not, I, I'm not going to say who, but... I did get a response of a yawning emoji regarding my paranoia of burn-in. You know who you are. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> but uh, in general, like OLED, for sure, in terms of raw picture quality, you really can't go wrong with that. But my concern is always the long-term durability. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about 10 years plus, that sort of thing, because that's generally how long I keep electronics before either replacing them or otherwise repurposing them for something else. With the track record I see, especially with older LG panels, I don't think they would last that long in my hands, especially with uh, the type of content I put on, because I often have lots of static content from a PC, or what I like to do as well with Mister is to sometimes just randomly boot an arcade core while I'm working on something just to have the attract mode going, mm. have a little bit of ambiance, uh, so to speak. Uh, in my case, I would gladly take a hit on picture quality for the sake of p uh, potentially having a more durable display. Because, okay, you could still get image retention with LCDs, but in general, those displays... Provided nothing goes wrong with the electronics or the backlighting, should be more durable. That that's the theory, anyways. But um, the other thing too, uh, and this is something that I commonly see in AV circles. There is a lot of disdain, I guess you could say, for IPS and IPS style LCDs. So we're talking things like Samsung PLS panels or. Now, BOE ADS panels, which a lot of 2021 model TVs are using, including some high-end ones. But the thing with those is that the main point of contention is with the contrast. And IPS in general has never really been known to produce very high contrast. The best panel type for that is VA. But the, the, the thing with VA is you end up in a situation where you... You do have that high contrast, yes, but it comes at the expense of viewing angle, so you'll end up with more instances of color fade, uh, gamma shift, sometimes even clipping highlight details depending on the panel. Hmm. And most annoyingly to me is a sort of cone of light effect with certain panels. I see this with the Sony X900E in particular. This is a 2017 model display. If I'm focused, say, dead center... I'll see sometimes a gray gradient that goes from the center outwards. But to counter that, there is the CSOT manufactured VA panel that's in my TCL 6 series from 2018. That one doesn't have that cone of light effect. It has a little bit of blooming because of the local dimming on the edges of the screen. But in general, it is able to 
have more uniform contrast overall. And going back to IPS as well, that is its main selling point. The fact that it is able to maintain much wider viewing angles. You do sometimes get darkening when you move off center. Mm -hmm. The main point of contention for me with IPS, more so than contrast, is of course image retention. And I have no tolerance for that whatsoever. I have already returned displays because of image retention or, or otherwise getting a used display on the cheap Find out it has image retention, toss it aside. Hmm. <laughs> God bless your stress levels when you play a game with massive <laughs> flickering. Yeah, that yeah. was the case with my uh, LG UM7300, which mysteriously stopped retaining flicker patterns. I have no explanation for why. All I know is, is that, that over time, it actually stopped. And it was no firmware up with updates uh, over the air or something like that. No, I did apply firmware updates, but those were not affecting anything. I see. Unless perhaps at some point it did change the way the panel was driven. I know that the HDR did change to where it was actually trying to prioritize maintaining specular highlights at the expense of overall picture brightness. Hmm. Because after applying, I think it was the last update on this TV, HDR got darker overall, but it seems to be more in line with the presentation you'd find on more high-end TVs, except much darker because this TV is really not able to exceed 300 nits very well. I see. And, uh, well, I'd like to ask you, uh, what are your immediate next projects, uh, Blackwing? Oh, well. Uh, if, if, you, if you want to talk about it, of course. Yeah, well, it's, 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 it's not good to, 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 to talk too, too early with, with some stuff. I surely would like to, to you know, improve the cars still. still uh, that's the that's old good. cars because they're still lacking at some, at some points. Uh, I would like to finish uh, the Sega uh, System 1 and 2. Um, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. There are many games that are buried there that, that have no ports, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, nice maps too. That, that, mm -hmm. That's how uh, actually how it started uh, uh, with me do, doing uh, patches to, to this car. And, and th there is one game remaining uh, to be unlocked, the Shooting Master. Uh, but uh, I have to complete some hardware for it because it's a light gun game. Mm -hmm. And um, I think um, th there are some problems because uh, the, of the way it was uh, the, the car was uh, done by Mr. X uh, because it's, it exclusively uses uh, block RAM. Uh, so so uh, it, it's, it's uh, nice, it's, uh, it's fast, not uh, unlike the DDR RAM on the Mister, mm -hmm. but uh, it's limited. Mm -hmm. I think uh, there are f uh, 553 blo uh, bl you know uh, bl blocks to use and uh, and the shooting master is 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 bigger than than the the rest uh, has more 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 uh, uses more sp room space so so uh, but uh, it it um, it is uh, light gun gun games so 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 it will work on CRTs only, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, I, 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 don't, I thought how it could be implemented on, on digital displays, but I had no idea. 
so maybe the 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 simple solution would be to 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 disable uh hdmi output on on this uh, particular game and uh, and yes and uh, that's that that's what what's uh, next uh, in near future i i surely would would love to do uh, you know some shmups uh, in in, in <laughs> more far future uh, but but i was looking know, for those yeah and no, uh, no, could no. you pl- mm-hmm. no sorry could you please also uh, after what i interrupt you saying uh, also tell the audience where can they support you like patreon or coffee as well yeah 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 i have a pa- patreon patreon.com slash black one or you can follow me on twitter also uh, this is where i usually publish uh, you know some or announce some some updates to the to the course uh, yeah that's it yeah, and uh what about you ace well immediate uh, projects uh the main one is actually to get time pilot uh properly rebuilt have mm-hmm. that be put into the main uh i'm hoping at some point to be able to revisit iron horse and jackal in order to get the sprite rendering timed properly this time uh fix a couple of the bootleg rendering weirdness that i had with jackal as well because um Right now, there's a, an issue where when the screen is flipped, the score display part of it is actually missing because of the two line, uh, two lines of missing sprite graphics on the bottom side of the screen. Uh, the other one is, as I was mentioning, Finalizer Super Transformation, if I can actually get that one going. Uh, it, the game is running, but it sounds like garbage because of the uh, bad dump. Yes. Uh, so that one's not going to be a thing. Uh, I want to revisit Jailbreak to properly get the frequency response down of the audio output, get the video timings right, and also potentially take that code and uh, bring it over to Green Beret so that way there's a common implementation of the 005849 custom chip that can be interchanged between both games. Mm-hmm. Following that, I have plans for the Sega System C2 hardware, and I'm going to target Thunder Force AC first, <laughs> because th- that's the big one for me. Mm-hmm. The next it's an amazing. one... Thunder the- Force is an amazing series. Yes. The next one, and this one I'm actually going to look to live stream the entire process, Arkanoid Revenge of Doe. Just to complete yes. from Arkanoid to that one, <laughs> then... I think there are, I think Arkanoid Returns is on the Taito F3 hardware. I might be wrong on that, but that will be down the line. Uh, not necessarily me, but that I'm hoping at some point that game will be on the hardware. Maybe not. I don't know the complexities of the hardware, so I'm not going to comment on it any further. <laughs> uh, then is the big one, which is the Konami GX400 hardware. And as I said... Gradius and Salamander, first two games to get going on that platform. Possibly even the other bubble system to ROM conversions. So we're looking at games like, uh, I think, Konami GT is on that as well. The, actually, Konami GT does share the same board as Nemesis, except with an extra input board for handling the steering inputs, hmm. which I think that's done by a rotary encoder. And... Uh, Twin B would be another one because that's a conversion from bubble memory to ROM. Nice. Uh, but that that's you really don't... the big one. Sorry, Blackway. 
uh, does it use uh, VLM uh, chip? Yeah, it does use the B the VLM fifty thirty. Salamander uses it. Every bubble mm -hmm. system game uses it. Even converted to ROM. Mm -hmm. uh, some games will just have it sitting there doing nothing, or otherwise just uh, play back the presented by Konami and countdown uh, mm -hmm. speech samples from when the bubble memory is warming up, which would mostly be skipped, well, or actually will be skipped completely on the ROM versions because there's no need to warm it up. The thing, too, with the ROM versions is that they will actually run a bit faster because the data is immediately accessed and copied to a bank of RAM that would be used for the bubble memory. So instead of having to read bubble by bubble with the bubble memory, you'd have those slower loads. The loading would be instantaneous or close to it. Hmm. That's that's an interesting point. Yeah. What's interesting too, what I noticed with Gradius in particular, is that the volume dial is actually of a different resistance. It's 200 mm. ohms on a bubble system board, but on the ROM conversions, it's 1K. And Konami had a habit of putting uh, ceramic capacitors to ground right at the middle pin. So it essentially created a variable low-pass filter. What this would mean is that the filtering would be heavier overall on those mm -hmm. ROM conversions than the original bubble system releases. Interesting. And, and that's something that could be modeled and placed as an option as well. Yeah, and I've said it already, and I'm going to reiterate it again. Any fixed low-pass filters, either passive with standard resistor to capacitor to ground, a switch low-pass filter, which has a 4066 or similar analog switch in between, or an active filter that's put in the audio circuit and the active components, amplifiers, whatever, those will always be modeled and it will always be active. That is a guarantee and is a non-negotiable. Whatever comes after that, either acoustic characteristics caused by the cabinet and the speaker setup, or any variable filters caused by volume dials which act as variable filters as a result of having capacitors to ground, those would be separate that you would then load through the Mr. Audio filter options. Got it. And uh, how can people, uh, where can they follow you and, and support if, if available? For support, I just got a Ko-Fi page opened up, ko-fi.com forward slash ace9921. And uh, it's completely optional. I'm not going to pressure anybody into getting into that. Because, and this was the thing with Patreon. It, to me, it seemed like it would pressure both sides, one side to pay up, the other side to constantly deliver something. I don't want that stress. I just want to do everything at my own pace, have my work out there. If you like it, if you think my work is, is worth something to you, feel free to donate. Otherwise, just enjoy whatever I release. I'm happy with that. Nice. And you, you can much. also follow me on Twitter at Ace9921Tweets and my YouTube channel Ace9921. I will preview cores with some direct capture whenever they're nearing release. Thank you very much. And, uh, well, I'd like to, to thank you on the audience for, for being here and talking about all these projects and all this information. And, uh, of course, also thank uh, Sentient6 and Risha for the space and making this possible. Yeah, thank you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very nice talk. I, I enjoyed this a lot. I maybe went a bit overboard on technical details, but I mean, hey, that, that, that's, that's, good, what, because... that's what we do. We, we obsess over this, this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike might try to, to keep it back on the technical details. I understand why, but yeah, this is the, the place where, where, where it could be mentioned. Sure. 
Well, thank you very much for, for everything. It's, it, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I, I deeply respect your work as, as with every other guest we've had. It's been a pleasure and thank you all. Thank you. Th thanks for having, having us. Yeah, great honor for me as well. Thank you. Hope, hope you have a good night, rest, sleep, uh, black wine. <laughs> good, good morning, I, I think, because it's almost, uh, you know, sun is rising. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you for, for keeping with us at this time for you. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Have a good night, everybody. Bye.